Every, every, uh, and it's funny. Every everything in this movie is all coming back. Even like the little ones. We're all gonna die. Or the, We're all gonna, yeah. We're all gonna die. Um, he's he's pretty bad, me. <laughs> Billy, you ain't a fat no man. Son out there, I don't know. Ain't no man. This is gold. I've had it rolling. Oh, for like ten minutes when we start talking about Mike Vanderbilt. <laughs> oh, so this is gonna be a ten minute discussion about yeah. Mike Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, we're sleeping. It's a hot one today. It is hot. It's hot. We're in the jungles of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> we should lay down like it's a track. hot and humid. Yeah. <laughs> but like a background yeah. sound of like birds help, and shit. Help, help, help. <laughs> uh, then we're back again. We're always back. We're always here. Oh, well, which is it? Are we always back? Or we're, we're always here. Which means that we have left. We're back we're from now. <laughs> it's a conundrum. <laughs> well, we, or are we always here? Are we always here? <clears throat> yes. Uh, are you the dreamer? Or are you the figment of someone else's <laughs> dream? I don't know. Um, we're here. We're back. <laughs> we're back again. We're around. We're in Blake's uh, mom's house this week. Um, and the air conditioner's not working. No, no. We're, we're in your attic this time. <laughs> And attics are hot. Attics are hot. We, we, the ceiling fan's too loud. We can't get the ceiling fan going. So uh, you know, we're just we're trying to be quiet. This was the only place we can we can uh, record. Because last two, a couple weeks ago, we were in my mom's attic and <laughs> we were walking out, and Blake put his foot through the, the ceiling, and uh, you know, and then after Got that, in trouble. You know, and that's after we had already messed up the basement with the Dirty Dancing podcast. Sleepover mischief. <laughs> yeah, yeah sleepover mischief. <laughs> Hashtag sleepover mischief. <laughs> I can tell you some stories, my friend. Yeah. Past sleepovers, a lot of holes. That's the thing. You have Jay Blake over for a sleepover. There's going to be a hole in the wall or a door <laughs> or a ceiling. <laughs> And it's not even because he's getting drunk and getting all no, crazy. No, I it's mean, this just, was just like back when, like, elementary school. Oh, this, this, is, really, this, this, would would this is actually where we really go. <laughs> Broke a window once. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Joe St. Martin. Shout out to Joe St. Martin. Joe St. Martin and I... Uh, broke a many thing during sleepovers in our youth. And it was... Broke my bed one time. How did you break your bed? We were, like, jumping on the bed. Ju- oh, just jumping you know, on like the bed. You know, like, running... <laughs> And, like, the legs, like, buckled from the frame. Because we were, at that point, we were not, like, little kids anymore. We were not teenagers, but, you know, it wasn't like you were three. Yeah. It was like we were, like, 12. <laughs> um, yeah, me and my friend Martin, we used to, we had some terrible, I remember one time we, uh, home alone in my house, my parents had gone out, and we destroyed my room i mean to the point where like the sheets were off the the, the mattress the mattress and the box screen were off the frame everything was just on it looked like i don't know it looked like a natural disaster i remember my, then my parents like showed up early they came home and my dad came up to my room and like, hey, and he just looked around he's like you gotta clean this fucking shit up now <laughs> you know he was he was very diplomatic about it but 
It was, Jesus, my mom came in, she would have had a conniption, you know. So a lot of, many, uh, many a crazy things we've yeah. done. And then we had bunk beds for a little while. I had a bunk bed in my room. So, uh, you know, it was always an adventure. Like the first time Martin ever came over to my house, he got the fucking idea to go try to get down between the bed and the wall. <laughs> okay, yeah. Then, then he got na- his, one naturally would come up with that idea. <laughs> and then he got his head stuck because he, <laughs> his head got stuck between the the frame and then the wall. And he was going to scream. And I was like, my mom's sleeping. And he started freaking out. I was like, well, it's, you're the fucking fault for like, you know, it's not my fault that you're, you're trapped. I told you not to go down. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny the mischief you, one can get up to. Qu- quick quick little mischief story. Sleeping over at Jose Martin's house. This must have been like... For, hashtag Jose Martin. <laughs> hashtag Jose Martin, who I found out through Facebook actually listens sometimes. So he uh, he might actually listen to this. He's going to laugh. And he's going to... He's going to spill his coffee in his car. <laughs> he's going to remember this story. Uh, there was a period of time where Joe and I were best friends, and we would sleep over each other's houses like every weekend. Yeah, like one week in his house, one week in my house, that kind of thing. A lot of stupid kid stuff. Um, but one time we were at his house, and he, we were in his room upstairs, and he had like these water balloon slingshots that have like you know the thing that goes across the arm for like leverage. <laughs> You know, like you really yeah. fucking, and we had this great idea that we would line up his starting lineup figures. Okay, what else can you do with on them? like the desk, <laughs> yeah. and then shoot stuff at them with the slingshot? And of course, why we didn't just use the same ball or whatever beyond me, but we each had our own thing. And his was a little yellow spiked ball that came with like a playset from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know that yellow spiked, and ball. it was like hollow. Yeah, you know, so it was like. It was not heavy. It was like a light thing. Me, I had like one of those like 16-sided die. Oh, yeah, okay. For like a board game. <laughs> it's got like a million angles yeah, on it. Yeah, and it's hard. And it's concrete. solid. <laughs> yeah, it's hard plastic. <laughs> I mean, like if I shot this at you and hit you in the head, you, I would have killed you. Yeah. You know, it's like David and Goliath bullshit. <laughs> you know, like I could have killed somebody with this thing. And I'm shooting this thing. And of course, as your kid, you set him up. And why not just set them up, set them up in front of a window? Yeah. <laughs> what possibly could go wrong? <laughs> so we're flying. And is this at night, too? Yeah. Well, not like in the middle of the night. Oh, okay. But it was nighttime. Um, and we're firing, like, these slingshots, knocking over, like, Mike Schmidt and, and like, Don Mattingly starting lineup guys. Wayne Boggs was like, ah! <laughs> All these people, Mattingly, that's hilarious. <laughs> David Winfield, ah! <laughs> and, of course, I fire one, and I fucking put that thing right through the window. <laughs> it was like a clean break. <laughs> well, luckily, his window was, like, a sliding like a sliding glass door type window. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like an up and down window. So it was actually like two panes of glass. And I only broke the first pane of glass. And uh, of course, like his parents heard the broken glass and his mom came up and I don't know what it was, but like, I guess I was just like really nervous and upset. And I just like could not stop laughing. Yeah. And he's like hitting me because his mom's like yelling at us and trying to <laughs> clean up the glass. And I was just laughing. I was like, I guess I was just like so nervous. Yeah. And so that's a, uh, that's a Jose Martin sleepover mischief. 
I um story for you. <laughs> before we get off the topic, I had a I was used to babysit next door neighbors when I was little. And I remember you know I would roughhouse with them because no one's home you know and you're young and we had that that Ninja Turtles ball yeah. and I threw it at the kid and like I like drew blood from the kid and he had to go get like butterflies like not stitches <laughs> but like you know thing and that's dangerous. Toys were dangerous, but um, yeah, that, that reminds me too of another story with Martin, where like uh, we were listening to like f- like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Pre- Fresh Prince, so we were gonna like record our own like rap. So that's the story where like we got my sister's brand new Fisher Price record player, and we were trying to like <laughs> what's 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 <laughs> So scratch up yeah. the fish. So, I remember, I don't have it anymore, but there's a recording of like us trying to rap and me doing that. And my dad walking in and seeing us like, what the fuck? He's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then like, you know, and then years later, that thing never, the, the turntable was like, wow, wow. Yeah, it, it, all, it was just wouldn't, you know. So that's a little walk down memory lane. But today also uh, marks another kind of significant walk down memory lane, which is, this is the podcast where we're kind of celebrating briefly <laughs> the fact that we met for the first time about 20 years ago around this time. Yeah. This is a uh, Saturday night movie sleepovers. That's Jay Blake. I'm Dion Baya. And, uh, and we met uh, in like August. mid to late August of 1997. Yeah. We went to, uh, we went to, we got shipped off to college yeah. and uh, miraculously we were, not only in a very small film program together of like twenty people, yeah, but we lived, which was hard to get into at the time. And yeah, it was you know it was prestigious. It was prestigious. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, we know our shit. Uh, but we also became roommates. We shared a room. Yeah, we were a in tiny a tiny little room. We were <laughs> in a eight person suite at a in a but like in a standard in a dorm. dorm. Yeah, and then in there there was what two. There was four rooms. Four rooms, two in a room, and then you yeah. and I had our own room. Yeah. Together. So, and that, and that that's pretty serendipitous because I don't know if anybody else in the film program even had that. Yeah. We had a third kid with us that was in the film program that was in our... Sweet. In but our he did suite, live in but our room. Yeah, he lived with another kid who was like a kleptomaniac. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so Dion and I met in mid to late August of 1997, and... Uh, Back when everything was easier. We've been chums ever since. Yeah, and it's so weird to think that we're older now. More time. What's the what's the analogy? More more time has gone by than how old we were when we met. Yeah, so we were like eighteen. When yeah, we met. and it's twenty years now. And now we've known each other for twenty years. So yeah, we weren't even twenty yet. Yeah, we, we could met. we could have a twenty year old kid now <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, good thing we used protection yeah. back then. So. Uh, it's insane. It's, it's so it's so weird how uh, time flies. And yesterday I was at my parents' house, and I sent you that uh, that yes, uh, yeah, I was picture. taking a little walk down memory lane himself. Yeah, going I was going through, through things, and I found like old college stuff, and I found some of my old drawing pads because we've talked about how we used to draw in the past, and uh, I found like that was from freshman year. A Jay Blake original. Yeah, you were, you drew Max <laughs> Katie from Cape Fear, and I don't know what I drew. Maybe we were both drawing the uh, uh, Cape Fear stuff because I had another Cape Fear picture in there. And you'd given it to me, and uh, I found it, it, it. It's so funny how things end up. You know, you have weird stuff like, you know, no one's ever going to see this again. And it's it's like in my parents, under my parents, like, stairs, you know, like in, a, <laughs> in like a crawl space. And it's just, you know, and I just, I think of odd things like that. You know, I, I found like a picture, uh, like we, for our f- senior film, we used to have to like, get all pre-production together so they want us to go take pictures of like yeah. all the locations you're doing and locations shooting so i found like the roll of film 
uh, the developed prints of all the other stuff on that film. And it's like, you know, me at like a house party someplace. Like, you know, and it's like, I don't even know half the people in the photos. But yeah, yeah. They'll never see those photos because they're in my parents' crawl space. It's so weird. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, 20 years for us. So, uh, in commemoration of us celebrating 20 years together, <clears throat> yeah. 20 years as besties, yeah. uh, we decided to do a movie that we both loved when we met. Yeah. We had a couple. And that we both still love. Yeah. <laughs> but one that, like, where we came together. Like, a bonding movie for us when yeah. we met. And there's a handful of them. You're right. And we'll pro- we'll get to them and we'll yeah. talk about those that those bonding moments when we get to those movies. But one of them, because we're on that 1987 train, that 30-year anniversary. <laughs> we're doing we're every movie from that, that 1987 was a hell of a year for it was, it was awesome. We're doing uh, Predator. For the we're doing Predator, Predator. Which is an epic in its own right. Uh, but yeah, it's just so weird. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's so odd that just time, I have no grasp of time after college and it's, it's amazing that 20 years has gone by, you know? And you know, the last time I think I watched this movie, I was thinking about it. It was Uncle Al's, uh, sweet. Uncle Al's sweet, or we watched it the year, our sophomore year when you lived at Pace, I think on a trip to Pace to visit you, there was a year where Dion missed out on living on campus yeah i didn't so, realize so he got to, shipped off to another campus yeah i didn't realize you had to like i just thought you had if to you actively did, sign up yeah i just thought that they would just randomly put you somewhere so everybody else went and found roommates to go live with and then i was like midsummer i was like oh you're supposed to i thought i'm coming back to school <laughs> you know so then they so then i didn't have housing so there was an overflow of students that year so they had to find me off campus housing so they the school had rented a dorm at another school, which was like 20 minutes away. So I lived for a semester off campus at the at the, the dorm that they were renting. Yeah. So, and that was only for a semester. And, and so there was a few trips where we would go to that dorm to visit the... Uh, yeah. And there was, I believe, one of those trips we watched Predator because we had a discussion that day, which we'll have today, about a certain booby trap... That I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how it's supposed to work. Oh, it's still, it's still to this day. <laughs> I mean, watching it this time, I'm like, okay, I guess our assumption of how it was supposed to work is probably what it was supposed to do. But it seems <laughs> like not a good plan. <laughs> the log one. Yeah, the one at the end. The one that gets the predator. I mean, we can start off with that if you want. <laughs> we'll just work our way back. You yeah. know, the, he comes out. He's got <laughs> the helicopter comes down. <laughs> And he's still alive. <laughs> a little memento on this yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then it ends. With, then it's, it ends with them. The, the, the helicopters again coming over the water. So there was a, at some point during college. Uh, before we get into like the nitty gritty of stuff, because this is an important discussion, we were watching it, and I was like, you know what? I never really thought about is at the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Everybody's dead. <laughs> when Arnold Schwarzenegger beats the Predator. Yeah. He sets up this elaborate booby trap where there's spikes on like, there's like a little like ravine thing. Yeah, for him to go walk through. He wants the Predator to walk through it. It's got a little trip wire thing and there's spikes above him and then there's a log. And the Predator doesn't go around through that. He doesn't go through the booby trap. He goes around the booby trap. Yeah. Schwarzenegger realizes that he's under the counter. He's underneath this log. So Schwarzenegger runs. He clips the trip wire. The log comes down and lands on the predator. Works. But clearly that log was a counterweight for something. That wasn't how the booby trap was supposed to work. Yeah. 
So we got into this discussion 19 years ago <laughs> of how the hell, what was that booby trap supposed to do? Do you think it was a net? No, it doesn't seem to be a net. You know, like how they, they trapped him in the middle of the movie? Yeah. Like when they, 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 they used the counterweight trap. of the log. Yeah, and, they, and then he got picked up, and he, that's when he, he, go, he goes bushly crazy and kills everybody. Yeah, you know? yeah. It does. Maybe, he's, maybe that was under the leaves. And it then does that would, seem like it's because they do a very, they do a, they make a big effort to like rotoscope in, you know, animate like some kind of rope. That clearly doesn't look real. Like move up in the screen. That like they like cut to it. Yeah. Like it moves. Uh, so my only talk about this end bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my only assumption is that like because also the, those spikes don't look like they're gonna they're not gonna do much damage. They're just gonna <laughs> fall on them, and there's what five feet they're falling. You yeah. Know? Well, it's, it's like ow. Get it this seems off me. like maybe the weight's supposed to come down, catch him from the undercarriage. Yeah. <laughs> From the, uh, get him in the junk and then bring it's it all, up. It's a big elaborate thing to hit him in the junk. It's like mousetrap. Remember that game, mousetrap? And lift him into the spikes. And then carry it up in the... Yeah, it's like a Rube Goldberg kind of a thing. You know, It's like it's just elaborate. Uh, who knows? But so that was my... I was like, wait, what is this supposed to do? Because what ends up happening is not the initial plan. That's drop like, a log on his head. Yeah. It wasn't like, we'll just drop a log on his head. Because clearly... That log wasn't going <laughs> to land anywhere near the spot. No. And it's also impressive. I was looking at to think that, like, at that point in the movie, you know, Schwarzenegger has nothing. I don't even think he even has a knife. So he's able, he's making fire himself. He's like, you know, he's, he's putting two, he's sharpening wood with wood. Well, so, he has matches. Does he have matches? Because he, he lights the torch with matches. <laughs> he has like three matches that he strikes. Oh, and okay. Lights that torch. Because, um, my point was, it's like he's using like jungle vines as ropes yeah, yeah. at that point because he doesn't have any ropes, and and it's that good that it's able to like wrap around the log. His knots are that good that he's able to wrap it around the log, <laughs> well, and then was, he's able to pull he was the a log seaman. up. For a short yeah. time. <laughs> he's able to pull the log up. You know, what is yeah, that? Yeah. Laterally, well, he needed Billy. Yeah, to help him pull that first. Yeah, he's log got a gimbal. Not a gimbal. He's got like a freaking um, like a pulley system. Yeah, what do you call that? A fulcrum and lever. And he's like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's all very, it's it's, it's very Boy Scout shit. You know, it's it's MacGyver meets Boy Scouts well, at the end of that. He's part of an elite team. He isn't a part of an elite team. He's uh, the leader of an elite team. He is the leader of the. <laughs> he already is the leader of an elite team. And they all, you know, this time around. Uh, so. Let's see. Quickly, my f- experience with this movie was, again, to bring Martin up, the first sleepover we had circa, it was the winter time, so it's either the winter of 87 or the, the winter of 88, mm-hmm. you know, the January, February. We watched this movie together. This was the first sleepover we slept over, and we watched Predator that night. And then, you know, always been a fan of the movie. I knew it by heart, had it on cassette tape, bits of it. And I think, yeah, I haven't watched this movie since... Uh, probably either Uncle Al's apartment or with you uh, sophomore year at my uh, other dorm room until last weekend, uh, middle of the night. I'm always a late night drinker. I'm up at late night because I work late and I get home late. And then people are like, why don't you just go to bed? And for me, it's like, I need to unwind. It's like, if you get home at five, if you work nine to five and you get home at five o'clock, you just try to go to sleep. (laughs) You know, it's always like, why don't you just go to bed at five 30? Yeah. It's like, no, I need to, I need some. So I'm always kind of up late. I got like jazz hours. So 
I'm up in my bedroom, I'm surfing, I'm, as I call it, we're going around the world, we're surfing up what we have on the channels, and I've found the Spanish channel on, and it's like uh, Telemundo or something like yeah. that, and they're playing Predator in Spanish, and I haven't seen the freaking movie in 15 years, and I know we're doing a podcast on it next week, so I get roped in, and my wife's like, you're not going to watch this now in Spanish, and I'm like, but... So I'm, I'm getting in. I was, <laughs> so I'm trying to find out, you know, and it's, it's great. Esto no choice. Billy, con, mira, mira, Billy. Tranquilo, Billy. Predator. So uh, I hadn't seen the movie in like, you know, probably the last time since we watched it. Yeah. So this time around, I'm, you know, you, 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 I end up, you start picking out things. Even though you know it by heart, it's like Robocop. You start to see different things. And, and it's really cool how every person in his team has like a special... Yeah, yeah. They, aside from like Hawkins, a, it seems to be a thing lately. <laughs> yeah, that everybody has like a uh, has their own little thing. Yeah, they they, they have their their little <laughs> their own weapon, their, their own style. Yeah, their own ability, and that's the reason why he has this crack unit, you know. And it's also uh, another thing since we've been doing this podcast. It's it's interesting to keep it in context of this came out in '87. So in the '80s, you had all these, you know, the Chuck Norris missing in action. The Delta Force, you had all these movies that are like in Rambo 2, you know, we, you have these jungle, 80s jungle movies where they're yeah, taking yeah. on like, you know, they're, they're rescuing hostages from Vietnam or they're trying to save people. So uh, it's, it's interesting to think about that, that in, the, in the context of that world where you have Norris or whoever else going into the jungle to rescue people, you have a kind of like a horror movie yeah, yeah. set, you know, in the same kind of thing, but except now they're battling an alien. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I love this movie. Um, Who doesn't? The fact that you and I haven't seen it in a long time, I think, happens because you watch it so much during like those formative years, like yeah. late teens, early twenties, and then you just like you take it for granted. You know, like oh, I've seen it a million times. Yeah. You start to want to watch newer things or watch things you haven't seen as often, and then. Uh, it's been kind of the blessing of the podcast, which is like it gives us a chance to revisit some of these things we haven't seen for a long and time. And I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, like I, when I was single, I used to be able to watch whatever the hell I wanted, but now I don't have really the time to rewatch. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I don't really find myself going back and rewatching stuff on the level that I used to. Because mm -hmm. now it's like, you know, I, there's new stuff I'm missing that's out. So it's, it's really hard for me to go back and watch something I loved that as a kid just for the sake of when I could. Just say, check something new out or catch yeah. up on, you know, all the DVR that's built up for all these shows. I remember watching it for the first time at my dad's house. Um, my dad had cable and I must have watched it. I think I watched it like by myself. No. In like 87, 88 on like HBO or for Philly people, maybe Prism. Yeah. <laughs> Which was like a Philly cable movie. It had nothing but movies and flyer flyers games, hockey games. And That's movies. all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> Best channel ever. So, uh, but I remember watching it and being like, and being scared of it. I mean, it is a horror movie and that's kind of, um, I think the brilliant thing about this movie and wa and one of the things where even subconsciously, I think early on that I gravitated towards is that it was like this jungle action movie, like you said, which was becoming, which was very popular at the time, but it, it was different. Yeah. It had a whole different thing and it was very effective. Uh, it's amazing for audiences, you know, that go in with that, you know, you're going yeah. to see another jungle action movie, which wasn't a, a tired genre at the time, which is popular. And then, you get something completely different. Um, this is probably, other than maybe the first Terminator, my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's also one, aside from maybe the first Terminator and maybe even the first Conan movie, 
that kind of still holds up. I mean, a lot of his movies at the time were great movies, but uh, like a movie like Commando, it's like I loved that as a kid, and then when I got into my teens, I thought it was so ridiculously bad. <laughs> but then it kind of comes around again. It's yeah, like it's yeah. so. I don't know to say it's so bad it's good but it's it's it has a, yeah. a certain love because it's so awesome yeah but yeah. like a lot of the movies at the time it's so of its time yeah that you know it becomes almost kitschy and a lot of them like I haven't seen Raw Deal since it's really come out I probably haven't yeah. seen uh what's the one Red Heat since mm-hmm. it's come out I've, I've probably seen Running Man a bunch of times but I haven't seen that one in 20 years you know and, and uh you know I've probably seen Total Recall but like a lot of the 80s par I, I couldn't tell the last time I saw Twins you know <laughs> so it's, it's a lump that into with predator so i mean you're so uh, i mean the only movies i would go back to religiously were terminators and then this movie yeah. and this is a movie of the era like you said like terminator where it's still kind of like i think it is my favorite movie of his because it it does hold up you could take this out of the 80s yeah, yeah. and you could oh, put it's it totally you know I mean? watching it now you could have made this movie like last year yeah and it would have been and it's know. and that's a and i mean there's nothing I mean, maybe aside from the special effects, which aren't bad. No, there's I nothing in even the soundtrack that you know. Everything about it is is you know, it, 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 it's timeless. You know, with the last episode we did the Lost Boys, and I talked about how even though both Corys are in that movie, I never really think of that as a Corys movie. Yeah, um, the Cory connection. Yeah, like I never think of that as a two Corys movie. I never, for some reason in my mind, like, I never really think of Terminator as being an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Like, I know he's in it, yeah. obviously. <laughs> the first one or just the, the genre? The first one. Yeah. You know, the second one feels much more like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The first one, it's like, yes, he's the title character, but he's he's the antagonist. We spend, you know, less time with him than we spend with Reese and Sarah Connor. Like, it feels much more like a Michael Bean yeah, yeah. Linda Hamilton, Linda Hamilton movie. Uh, romantic uh, adventure <laughs> than it doesn't than it does a Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, whereas yeah. this one, it's like this is even though he's part of a team and it's an ensemble cast, this feels much more like a Schwarzenegger movie. And I, I forgot think. how awesome all the whole cast is. Like you know, this movie is awesome. Jesse the Body, Bill Duke, um, you know uh, Shane Black, <laughs> Shane Black in there. You know uh, the the other guy that plays Billy in the. Uh, are your favorite? You've always had a fondness for uh, Poncho. For Poncho, yeah, because Richard Chavez. Because I liked him because I saw him in this movie, and then like two years later, they ended up doing oddly. They're like, uh, what kind of what movie from the fifties can we actually uh, turn into a TV series? And everyone's like, uh, War of the Worlds. So they made a World of the Worlds TV series yeah, that like, I lasted like three seasons. Joe St. Martin and I would watch it like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and it was scary. I mean, that shit was yeah, crazy yeah. because they developed something that you didn't see. Uh, they had an angle on the TV show, which wasn't from the films, that the, um, the aliens would kill you, but then they would hide in your body. And then your body would rot and you wouldn't know, but yeah, that yeah. you're taken over. And then at some point they would do something crazy, like the alien hand would come out of your chest. And, you know, so, so anyway, <laughs> so that guy, um, uh, Chavez, Chavez? Yeah. Uh, he was on the show as like a colonel. He was one of the regular characters. So I, I would, I, you know, I knew him from Predator. So, you know, it was cool when you, you recognize somebody. So I've always liked him. And then, you know, uh, I had an affinity for that poor guy. Because then he, I, I, I always, now I've, feel a little different about it but growing up i always thought that his death was such a poor cop out you know he just gets shot in the side of the head. Make it. yeah because that's because you're like because you, you're like you feel so and this is another there's thing. gonna be a lot of impressions yeah because this, this is another movie that blake and i we would just do impressions we would do the billy impression you put your chest you put your chin to your chest and you're like there's something 
We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And we 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 teeter into like uh, uh, Buffalo Bill territory. Put the logs in the bucket. Candy cane. Yeah. You know, but we did uh, Commando. There was a lot of Arnold impressions. And yeah, have you seen uh, Taken? This is what's happening now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're gonna get a lot of that on this episode. <laughs> yeah, because we're a little punch drunk. Yeah, it's late. We drink late, a case of beer together. It's hot. We're sweating out all the alcohol. We're, we're in a crawl space. But uh, this movie holds up maybe... Of all the movies we've done, this movie is in in the... Annals? Annals in, in the annals of... In like the upper echelon of the movies that fucking hold up. Yeah. Like as well as, as, as ever. And like you said, I mean, there's there's not a lot to date it. Yeah. Um, but all the effects hold up, and... That's true. They're in the fucking jungle. Yeah. They're not, they're not driving cars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking on cell phones yeah, you know. or watching, like, TV. Tube TVs and stuff. <laughs> so there's not, like, a whole lot to date it, and the effects are still are great, and this is probably one of my... Fa- if not my favorite, if not one of my favorites, my favorite creature makeup of, like, cinema history. Yeah. Like, I think Stan Whitson's uh, creature makeup for The Predator... Is just fucking awesome, and it's that still holds up too. Like you're, oh, every, it looks. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it looks unbelievable. Like a real fucking alien. <laughs> yeah, evidently they got an alien to come down, and <laughs> they hired an alien to come yeah. down. Uh, but one thing I, you know, coming from it, from coming at the movie this time around and from a different angle, how brilliantly uh, John McTiernan, the director, sets a tone. Yeah. With this movie, yeah. As I touch, as I touch Blake's hand, yes. We're a little punch drunk, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Which uh, makes for our best podcast. Yeah, I yeah. think so late. Uh, obviously, as soon as they get to the jungle, but even before, like all, like when they arrive. Oh, it's it's it's, it's just so, like it creates like this atmosphere. There's a tension, but yeah. As soon as the 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 the, uh, the lights go dark in the cinema and that projector goes on and you see like the, with the soundtrack and you have the the Hueys coming in. And, you know, and they, they come into this this uh, little base that's like on the coast. And, uh, you know, I love how the, the, the Huey pilot's so professional because, you know, he's done this a thousand times and he's coming in like on like a 45 degree angle. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. they're, 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 they're used to landing in hot LZs and they come down. And then when they, everybody gets out, you know, you see all these huge guys get out. And then the last one to get out is Schwarzenegger lights a cigar up, perfect intro. And then they get into the Jeeps. And as they're going through the water with the Jeeps, uh, you see, like, all the locals, like, look in. Like, they're kind of scared of what's going on. You know, so you, you're yeah, setting yeah. all this tension up. You're right. And, just, the, and, the, and the Alan Silvestri score. Oh. Amazing. Yeah, all, like, I love Alan Silvestri. We talked The last time we talked about him was Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And I talked about how... Same year. No, a year later. <laughs> God damn it. Dion, I, that was honest. <laughs> that was an honest mistake, too. <laughs> Dion. Roger oh. Rabbit is not 1987. I swear it is. <laughs> that, the studio was wrong. Um, oh, God. But yeah, uh, so, And I talked about how that's not my favorite score. Yeah. But how Alam Silvestri is one of my favorite composers. Yeah. And this is one of those reasons. And for all of you, like, audio uh, files out there... Uh, the Alan Sylvester score is getting reissued on vinyl. Comes out in September. Available for available for pre order now. If uh, I don't make any money off of it, but I love the score so much, and I know there's a lot of people that collect soundtracks now on vinyl. So finally, that's getting a nice vinyl reissue. But like the combination of the music, everything, it just it creates an atmosphere and it just sets a tone right away. And that's 
maybe the biggest strength of this movie is how strongly it sets all that up. And it's all feeling. I mean, there's no, you know, it's just he, McKeon just does a magnificent job of almost like putting us uneasy from the beginning. So that once like shit gets going, like we're just in the midst of like this like suspense. I mean, the you know brilliant thing of the movie is it starts out as like this mystery almost. Yeah, it's like a mystery action. Movie. Well, that's another thing we need to think lay out for the audiences as we 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 love to do the straight plot of this movie, or the no, I'm sorry, the story behind this movie. Yeah, yeah. So the story behind this movie is Carl Weathers uh, is CIA, and he, the story he tells them is that a diplomat went down. We got to go save him. But the real story yeah, is very escape from New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You Donald Pleasant's landed. <laughs> yeah, and, and we got to go. We got to go, go get in the out. urban jungle, and we have to go. Gotta... Yeah, and you got to watch out for all the other predators. But so, what really happened was, I'm thinking, is that there was his plane. There was a a, 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 a helicopter of CIA guys that got shot down. And then they got taken to, uh-huh. to that to that uh, little base. And then you had Hopper come in to try to get them. Yeah. So he, he was killed by the Predators. So Dutch's team is like the second attempt. Yeah. And so that's really what... So what... I guess they were just... There was no... They were just flying over originally. And they just got uh, like maybe like a like a, a anti-land-to-air missile took them down. Or like a law or like a... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. So it's, it's like those CIA it's guys. It's kind of a MacGuffin. Yeah, you know? it's like it doesn't really matter. They don't really even explain it because once they're when they're yelling in the little after the the shootout, he's like, you know, no, in in some kind of like alternate universe where you get to see this movie again for the first time. Yeah, I would have loved to like not have advertising hint that it's a monster, and not have a spaceship at the beginning. And just go, like, from Dust Till Dawn style, which is, like, you think you're on this, you know, reconnaissance, not even, like, a snatch-and-grab, you know... Uh, yeah, Chuck Norris missing an action movie. <laughs> you know, go a rescue mission. And then it turns out to be this crazy fucking sci-fi And the, the opening shot of it is, so, like, oh, well, what are we watching? John Carpenter's The Thing? Or are we watching, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, like, there's probably a half a dozen movies. Are we yeah. watching, like, Invaders from Mars? Like, it's, like... You know, there's there's night of the creeps. Might yeah, exactly. You, 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 I always love that. You know, and it's such a good because you forget about that. Yeah, it's yeah. just like at the beginning of the thing, I forget that there's a freaking woo, like a UFO, yeah. a proper UFO go by. You know what I mean? So it's it's. So <laughs> but fun. I would have loved to have like been able to see this and not know any of that. I would have just people be like, been like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's and that's why I brought up the whole context of like '80s jungle action movies because it's like you know people are used to that fare and then like you're saying you come into this and it's completely different. It must been very exciting for me yeah but i would you know? have, i mean i understand that you can't like advertise a movie and not well they try in the you can't i don't think you can do it nowadays but in the past they tried it like hitchcock would say you know please don't tell everybody that we killed janet lee 20 minutes in <laughs> you know wait until dark at the end of it don't let people know that we're you know we're turning the lights out in the cinema for that big shock you know so it's like they've tried to do it but nowadays I think people would like, yeah, would yeah. like bask in the fact that they can go on to it and be like, "Yo, guess what happens at the end?" You know, they're gonna live stream it and stuff. So you can't, you can't keep yeah, any secrets yeah. anymore. Uh, so yeah, it would be really cool to see audiences' reactions when they think they're getting a, one movie and then they, the, it's like a bait and switch where they're actually getting. Like it. I remember showing my stepdad from Ducks Till Dawn, and not telling him. You know, it's a Quentin, it's Quentin Tarantino's in it. It's got like that vibe. And I just remember him, like, his face when, like, vampires, spoiler, when vampires show up. 
in the middle of that movie, he was like, like he did, like, you know, it was like a cartoon. Like he's just like, like, he's like, what? What is going on? And I would have loved to have this movie be like that, but it yeah. wasn't. Uh, but still, with all, even knowing that they're in for some kind of uh, non-human, it's a trap. You know, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> Throw a little, Admiral, a little Admiral Akbar in there. Yeah. Um, it's just like it does. This movie does an amazing job of from fucking frame one almost like setting up this the, uneasiness in the audience. Yeah, I mean the 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 DP, the director of photography in this movie's the, it's gorgeous. It's, yeah, and then how it's shot, it looks you know the 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 stock they used in the jungle and everything about it, like you know the like the beginning, how it's dark and the shadows and they set it up. We uh, Schwarzenegger meets um uh, what's his face R G uh, Armstrong who's already been on our podcast uh, dick tracy he was prune facing dick tracy we can go here here's the thing we have a, well, almost I, everybody I, is, uh, I actually was going to write a list of like everything we have this is our third schwarzenegger movie yes because we did uh commando in the original terminator our second carl weathers movie because uh we did rocky we did we did rocky yeah uh in a way it's like another a second appearance of shane black because we he wrote he co-wrote monster squad okay i'll give you that he was involved (laughs) in it yeah so we're there uh what that's the uh the jesse the body is is in the beginning of uh uh he's one of the announcers with mean gene at the very beginning of um that was when i even think about what holds bar no holds bar so that's his second appearance on the cast um, <clears throat> Kevin we, Peter Hall. Kevin Peter, because we did Harry, Harry and the Hendersons. Hendersons. He plays the Predator and Harry and the Hendersons. And Stan Winston, I don't know how many times we've had Stan Winston come on, probably for Terminator, uh, Harry and the Hendersons, and I'm sure there's something yes, else. Yes, Alan Silvestri we've talked about before. Bill Duke was in Commando. Bill Duke was in Commando. So, yes, so it's his second this appearance. This is all, uh, I'm sure, and, and also, like, you know, the, pred- the, the producers. Uh, Joel Silver. You know, because Joel Silver also did uh, and Warriors and Commando. I don't think we've had uh, Sonny Lanamon, who played Billy, because uh, I've seen him before. Prior to this, he shows up at the beginning of Poltergeist as one of the guys digging the underground pool. And mm-hmm. he's also in, what, 48 Hours? He's one of the heavies and the bad guys in 48 Hours? Yeah. Uh, but that's also a, uh, what's his face? Walter Hill movie. Yeah. So, so we did the Warriors. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the other guy we were just talking about, the guy I like, um, uh, Richard Chavez. I don't think he's been on our podcast no, before. No, no. Uh, but even Peter Cullen, who's uncredited as the voice of the Predator. Optimus Prime from Transformers. <laughs> and we did Transformers. And G.I. I'm sure he shows up in G.I. Joe. I think he was Nemesis Enforcer. Yes, he was He was Nemesis Enforcer in G.I. Joe the movie. As well as uh, Sven Olin. Um, he's in every movie that we've done. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's Schwarzenegger Scott. Sven he's in like, Ol Thorson. He's in like 13 uh, Schwarzenegger movies. So, uh, you I'm know. I'm just saying, this is a... Uh, and he, they say he's in the original Terminator. And I was trying to figure out, like, who the hell is he in the original Terminator? Sven. Who knows? No, I got to go back bar. and look. He's, like a stunt, he's one of those stuntman guys that you see in everything. Yeah. He's like 80s. that other guy that was in RoboCop. The with the, yeah. <laughs> those two guys. It's one of those. Two. Yeah. They had the, 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 the lockdown in the 80s. I do want to say, you know, uh, you know, periodically we like to, you know, put people into the sleepover movie hall of fame and i believe probably for commando or the warriors we did joel silver but looking at lawrence gordon who's one of the other uh, producers of this movie he's done he you know he produced a bunch of walter hill movies like the warriors and uh 
48 Hours and Streets of Fire and all that stuff. But he also uh, the, and the driver. But he also did Xanadu, the uh, driver with what's his face Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Which is a uh, Walter Hill. Movie, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he did Brewster's Millions, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Sweet. Predator, Die Hard. All movies we'll probably get to at some point. Lock Up with Stallone. Sweet. Field of Dreams, K-9. Wow. Predator 2, Die Hard 2, The Rocketeer. Which we did. Event Horizon. Jesus. Uh, and, you know. Some, Not only is he in the Hall of Fame, he should stuff. get an award. <laughs> but, you know, just going up in the 90s. I mean, Joel Silver, just if you look up him before pre uh 2000s he did all those and and but also like weird science and action jackson who framed roger rabbit roadhouse the lethal weapons the adventures of fort fairly wow hudson hawk wow ricochet the last boy scout demolition man uh assassins fair game jesus (laughs) executive decision bordello of blood he's like the michael bay of joel silvers So I mean, we're talking about some big sleepover so this heavy is, hitters. This is, this is, I think, the entire cast is in, is is inducted in the. Uh, <laughs> this, is, the this, is, this is the first movie that we're inducting the, into the, the entire crew. Yeah, everybody on here, and then the the other the elephant in the room that I'm sure everyone's oh, waiting one for second, to talk about. And John Davis, who's the third producer, he did Three O'clock High, <sighs> License to Drive, Oof. Little Monsters, oh. uh, the Fortress with the Lambert with Lambert, Grumpy Old Men, uh, The Firm. And gunmen also with Lambert. Wow, so he doesn't hasn't have as much. No, but they're but significant. Still, he's he's hit it out of the park you know, with sleepover movies. Uh, I'm sure people are waiting for us to talk about the first Predator uh, that didn't go right, and that's you know played by Van Damme. And Van Damme, we've already had on here from Hard Target. Yes, this as is our well second as, almost Van Damme. Movie. Yeah, it's an almost Van Damme movie. <laughs> I'm, I, I felt like we did another, but maybe I'm crazy. No, no, no. One of these days we're gonna do Bloodsport. Yeah, and I Time Cop. Wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, so good night, everybody. <laughs> All right, so that's the show. That, that's the show right there. We told you who was in everything. Uh, yeah, shot in Mexico. Tough in, shoot, tough shoot, rugged terrain. Uh, People getting diarrhea because they're drinking the water down there. You always hear from years you're not supposed to drink the water in Mexico, and uh, you know this is an example of I guess uh, Schwarzenegger and McTiernan were were the only ones because they were they were. Uh, Worried about that that aspect, so they both lost twenty five pounds. The rest of the crew who was staying at the local hotel was eating and drinking, and they all got terrible sick, you know, belly sicknesses uh, because of the the conditions. And then also, when you're shooting in the summertime in the steamy, hot, humid Mexican jungle, you got all those other things to contend with. You know, you have yeah. leeches, you have bugs, you have fire ants. They said that and just dehydration. Dehydration. Not even from just the diarrhea, but just from you know, like sweating. The, and then these guys, you think about what they're wearing. You know, the actors are wearing their military gear, plus they're carrying around all this equipment and yeah. weight and stuff like that. And then they talk about a lot of the people behind the scenes is that like the entire movie, they felt like they shot it on a hill. So the entire time they're, they're on like uneven terrain, you know, standing there setting up, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's, you think about where they are in the movie and how it's photographed and it looks like they're in the middle of the jungle. And then you just step back and think like, uh, think of the entire crew going in there with like freaking C stands and, <laughs> yeah. you know, dolly, dolly track, track yeah. and, and, uh, <clears throat> compu- uh, computer, uh, com- uh, camera equipment and all, you know, lights and then they got to rig lights and they got to put up. So it's just like all that massive, yeah, just, yeah. It, you know, and, uh, it's, it's even, bef- a- but even before production, this is at a time when apparently like sneaking onto a, 
studio lot was easy because this movie was written by two brothers. This was a spec script. Like, yeah, Jim and Tom, Jim and John Thomas. Apparently there was, this is alleged, apparently there was this joke after Rocky Four came out. Yeah. That was like, you know, if they're going to do another, he already fought Ivan Drago. If they do another Rocky, he's going to have to fight like an alien from outer space. Yeah, he's going to have to fight E.T. Because like, you know, that's the, because who else can they pit him against? Because he did fight a Russian and, you know, it was successful. So kind of taking that, uh, taking that joke and kind of turning it into, inspiring this movie about an alien Hunter was called the Hunter. One of the guys, um, the writers, he had uh, had a back injury from being on the beach, so they were laid up for like three months. So the friend said, the brother said, "Hey, you want to write a script with me?" So they're like, "Yeah." So they, for like three months, just sat on a beach and came up with this script that they tentatively called Hunter. Yeah, and then they snuck onto the Fox lot and just like slipped it under an executive door. Now that obviously, like, <laughs> and this was a thing back then. You used to yeah, hear back, those jokes where, yeah, like, yeah. if you're a waiter, like you, you know, you're working at Planet Hollywood, and like, you know, Arnold's taking a dump. Like, you know, people, you, you know, that used to be the joke prior to the internet that, like, you know, people wouldn't look at spec scripts, but then, like, they'd be in the John, and like, you'd see like a script, you know, read my script. Someone would always, in the old days, physically have their script on them to give yeah. out to somebody, you know. So that was always the joke. I just gotta get it through the door. Or we talked about, uh, oh, there's an old. Um, Oh, this is going to drive me insane now, but there is a uh, Krellis. Maybe it's going over the Krellis, I think it is, if that's the name. You know, like in the old days, old apartment buildings or office buildings, there's the window above the door. Yeah, Because yeah. there was no you know, air conditioning in the old days, so you'd have to open that window to get some of that hot air out. Yeah. So there used to be a, a joke about throwing something over the, I think it's called a Krellis, because that's how you get stories to like an editor. You, yeah. know, you throw it through that open window. You know, and yeah, that was yeah. the, you know, get like an editor to look at your story, you know, in the old days to pitch in the magazine. But apparently there was a time when you could just sneak onto a studio lot and do <laughs> stuff like like Spielberg snuck onto a studio lot and open an office. Yeah. And it's, it's just, <laughs> you know, and that's the old story where it's like that there's that, that one watchman just walking around like, get out of here, you crazy kids, you know, running away. And they snuck it in, slipped it under somebody's uh, door. That guy happened to read it. And then pitched it to, and then gave it to like John Davis and Joel Silver, the producers, being like, "This is actually not that bad." And it's amazing that Joel Silver, who had just been Commando, yeah, he had some hookups there. He's like, "Yeah, I guess we showed it to Arnold, and then that's how it kind of got made." And that's a that's a a really brilliant thing to think that this was a spec script, speculative script, where they means someone just wrote it, just hoping to get somewhere with it, and it got somewhere very quickly. And then they, the two kids, said that they got this script sold. Like you're saying, without an agent or a manager, they did it themselves. Yeah, they they yeah. cut out the middleman, went right to silver, and you know. And, and now, oddly enough, they also have a weird connection with Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. The brothers, the brothers, and that they went on. The to, brothers Thomas. They didn't do a whole lot of stuff, but they, you know, they contributed in some scripts. They did write executive decision, but they were the creators of the TV show. Hard time on planet Earth. Oh come on! With Martin Cove, with Martin Cove, <laughs> which was right around eighty-eight or eighty-nine, which we were just talking about on a little sidecast that we did, where Dion talked to Martin, where we had Martin Cove and Wilford Brimley come yeah, over they, for a they, sleepover. They came and slept over. With, they brought their sleeping bags over, and Wilford Brimley had to get up a lot to go to the bathroom during the night. We had to help him to the bathroom, and you know it was really interesting to have Martin Cove and Wilford Brimley on our on our uh, carpet <laughs> watching TV. But we were talking about that TV show. Yeah, it was a TV show that came and went. That I completely and forgot about. And they were the about. creators of that show. And the, the same kind of a premise, an alien coming down, 
you know, and he, but it was a joke. He gets stuck on Earth, and he has to try to like understand our ways with that mm-hmm, like with a, a little out of water. Yeah, with a little funny robot that's very much out of um, the Disney movie. Oh, compliance. Yeah, it's that kind of a thing, and it, the CGI sadly doesn't really hold up now. Late eighty CGI, this thing flying around. But yeah, that's just that's a show that begs to get like a remaster and on DVD, you know, because it was a kind of interesting concept. But yeah, so that, that's that's a really interesting connection. So everybody <laughs> from top to bottom here, everybody is somehow appearing on our show vicariously through like one, you know. Yeah, one turn here, but uh, yeah, so that's just that. one of those weird, interesting getting a movie sold stories. Yeah, uh, and then so I always thought Shane Black, I thought Shane Black had written this movie, which is untrue. But then I also thought then that Shane Black was specifically hired to do rewrites while they were on set. But then now reading this now, uh, Joel Silver was working with him to get Lethal Weapon done because Shane Black was writing Lethal Weapon. Yeah, which so came he came out the same year. Yeah, and he hired him to be in the movie. I don't know how that leap was made. Well, you I know. mean, I think Shane Black kind of he assumes that. I think the idea was like we'll put him in the movie and then he'll be there and we'll make him rewrite stuff. But it's so odd. It's, that's just like us. You know, we wrote something. They're like, we're gonna put you in a Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? I guess they liked him as a writer, and they're like, well, now we'll have like him. We'll have him on. You know, in Mexico. Yeah. Like, we'll just have him do rewrites. But they didn't even have him be like one of the Huey pilots. They had him yeah, like, you're yeah. going to be like the filling out the team. <laughs> you know, Bill Duke, uh, freaking Jesse the Body, and Shane Black. And, uh, but apparently, like, he didn't end up actually writing on it. Well, they asked him to do it, and evidently, he, this is speculation, but he said, like, no, I'm, I'm paid to act, so I'm going to act. Yeah. Well, so, like, fuck like, it. We're the first we're going to kill. Shit to do. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, he kind of points out that. The idea, and I'm sure we've talked about this in other movies that we've done, it's a, a, a thing that happens a lot in Hollywood. Maybe with the, we talked about this with The Beguiled. The Begotched. With The Begotched, which is... Uh, we just did about two or three months ago. Where you you buy the script. Yeah. You buy like the idea or the script, and then you have a first draft, and then you hire a bunch of other people, and it gets rewritten a million times, and then eventually... You remember that the first script was the best script. Yeah, and you, you end go up back. just shooting the first script. That's an Eastwood thing he says. Yeah, you, the more you tinker with something, the worse it's going to get. So why? Shane Black kind of says that that kind of happened with Predator. Yeah. Which is like, we'll get Shane Black or we'll have other people tinker around with it. And then at the end of the day, what they ended up shooting, what the best idea was, was the original script to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it is mind blowing to actually think if this movie didn't get Schwarzenegger as a lead. And they ended up instead keeping the original idea of the Predator and going that direction and having that original costume come to fruition. And that this could have easily been like a fucking B movie. Or <clears throat> yeah, worse. yeah. I mean, for people that... This could have been like Trancers 3. I think know? at this point, people, most people know that basically there was, a, there was a design, creature design for the Predator. They hired someone other than Stan Winston. They hired Boss Film Creature Sh- uh, Company, Shot Creature Company, which was they did it to save money to design this. But at the same suit. time, it was, uh, I mean, it was a reputable shop. I mean, Richard this was Eng- no Star Trek Five shit. <laughs> Richard England, who we've talked about on the podcast, because he Dream Warriors, and he might have even be in the 
Sleepover Hall of Fame because he also did like Big Trouble in China. Robert England. Uh, oh, that R- Robert. Oh, okay. not Robert England. Richard England. Richard England. Yes, yes. Uh, I think he worked on Return of the Jedi. And he, he did. did a bunch of stuff. Uh, I think we talked about him specifically. I'm sorry. That's why I brought up Dream Warriors. Um, that gentleman was. He was. I think we talked about him specifically in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. He was, he yeah, was in the Ghostbusters did, class. But he also worked on uh, Trouble in China. So he's, he's yeah. worked on other movies. So it wasn't like the Boss Film Creature Shop or Boss Films was a was not a reputable company. No. Uh, they just happened to be given the job of building this first Predator design, which John McTiernan kind of just handed them desi- like visual designs that he had done with a production designer. Yeah, their 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 story now is not that they don't have a that they need a story was that they said that like they were handed the preliminary sketches yeah, and like, said work off of this. Yeah, like they didn't develop anything. Yeah, they were just asking. They were making what they were asked to make. Yeah, even though they kind of said like you wanted this guy to be able to run around the jungle, which is like if you ever see the original designs or some of the, the that original footage, it's, we'll, we'll put a link to it in, in our podcast. On our you site. know, it's he's got like animal legs, whereas like the the knees bend the wrong way. Yeah, he's kind of got legs like a uh, you know that the the, the 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 under the knees they kind of go forward. I forget what you call yeah, that. Yeah. You know, so practically you know, like a dog at the back, like a dog's hind legs. Yeah, so practically you think about or, or like a uh, isn't like the 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 two what are the, the adats the two legged adats don't they do that? Oh, oh no, yeah. or Ed two oh nine. Does that kind of how it yeah, yeah. you know? So that was going to be or the or in the arrival, the <laughs> aliens have legs like that. But it's like they, they have a joint that goes backwards. Yeah, as well as isn't way. it signs? Some of those aliens and signs. They Mel might. Gibson. Um, they, but, might they, you might. Might. <laughs> they might rabbit. You might rabbit. You might. That's a joke. No one gets. Uh, yeah. Unless you're a Looney Tunes fan, you'll you'll laugh your ass off at that. Um, so yeah, you're going to be on uneven terrain, and you're going to practically have an actor running around and having like weird stilts, legs. How are you going to do that? Legs. Also, the alien had like a long neck, yeah. so the, basically the performer's head would have to be inside the neck to make like the length of the neck to have the head, like a big bird kind of a head. It almost looked like the uh, I, I forget the the the. The symbol of death in Egyptian culture, the dog's head yeah, that high, yeah. you know, because it kind of looked like it had a, and then it has like a dog's head on the, the, the top head, but it has yeah, one like eye. a snout kind yeah. of thing. So, and, and then, uh, and it kind of almost has, resembles like an insect, kind of like, a, yeah. you know, the, the, how well, it looks. Well, it's funny because they designed this and they also have to design a, like just a red suit that has a similar shape because of the way to do the to, to do the cloaking effect in the jungle normally everybody knows what like blue screen at this point yeah, green, green screen, screen what the idea of that is, is that you kind of you key out this color you eliminate the color blue or green and then you kind of can double you can layer things you know have a different background or whatever but because you're shooting in a jungle where everything around you is green normally they use blue or green because human because like the flesh tones, it's the polar opposite of flesh tones. Yeah, yeah. Like you know? there's a, there's like a pinkness and a redness to, to to flesh tones. So they use green to, you know, not contrast with that. But when you're in a jungle and everything's green, you have to use the opposite of green. So there's this. So they use red. So to be able to do the cloaking effect, they basically have to have this like red shape, so that they can key out that red thing and put in the, the effect over it. 
So they needed a, a, a suit made that looked like the alien that was going to be seen in the movie, but then they needed a, a, the exact same suit that's going to just be the color red. Yeah. So that when they're doing these scenes with the cloaking effect, they can, in post-production, take that out and then add the effect they want to make it look cloaked. And so they like hire this young actor from Brussels. Yeah. Who has no mus- film. The muscles from Brussels. Who's only been in Breakin. <laughs> and only been in Breakin and maybe uh, No Retreat, No Surrender. Yeah. And... Uh, they hire him, and he's psyched because he comes to he came to America to break into the movie business, and here no he's, pun intended. <laughs> and here he's going to show off his his uh, roundhouse skills. Yeah, and he's going to fight Arnold Schwarzenegger, the biggest action star in yeah. you know in in the world. At and that he's time. ready to go. So they hire him to be the actor inside the suit, but nobody explains to him like what this is really going to entail. Yeah, he's he's told that the suit. From his account, Van Damme's account, this the, the he says it's going to be a mixture of a suit, but also makeup, and you know he gets the impression maybe his face or parts of him will be seen. Yeah, and then you know at some point he's going to be able to you know fight Schwarzenegger. You know you're going to be able to say, oh look at Van Damme played a great role. You know it's like uh, Robert England played a great role as Freddy Krueger. You know Van Damme played a great role <laughs> playing the Predator. You know that kind of yeah. the hunter. And so he shows up, he does the cast, and then they show up for a costume fitting, and they're putting him into the red suit. Yeah. Fitting him for the red, putting the red suit on him. And nobody explained to him that one, like what, that this red suit is not the suit. Yeah. So what we just said, we explained about the reason the color red is going to be used. No one told poor Van Damme that. And then all that these. one, that like, this isn't the monster suit. This is for an effect. And two. That the monster that, suit is. That he's going to be invisible for most of the movie. Yeah, so it, you're not going to see. Cumbersome. It. So, and then so these, these uh, you know. But like the character itself isn't even seen until the end of the movie. Yeah. And then so the people uh, this one day at this costume fitting are helping, you know, the, these Joe Schmoes kind of when. Van Damme starts looking astounded, like, what the hell is going on? They kind of put together that, you know, that it's not their, it shouldn't be their job to tell Van Damme this. But evidently none of the higher-ups told Van Damme this. It wasn't explained to him. So when they're, and I find this in my industry all the time, when I have to go get a guest to bring into a studio or the guest gets canceled and there's nobody around, I have to now tell the fucking guest that, the you know, sorry, your segment's canceled. Like, that's not my job. I put a mic on you. But, so it gets uncomfortable when you have to be the bearer of bad news and be like, Mr. Van Damme, this is, you didn't, no one told you, you know? (laughs) So, and then, yeah, and like you said, no one told him that. So it's, he thinks he's getting into a, it's going to be a red alien. Like a fire ant, like, you know, in this, so then he gets into it, and you could tell from this the production still of him getting, you know, he's uncomfortable. He got a kind of smile on, but when they ship him down there and they take this suit out and they put him in this suit, I think right when they said they got down there, they opened the, the crate up with the suit. Everybody was like, "Oh my god!" This, even Schwarzenegger was like, "This is this is yeah, fucking horrible. Like, this is not going to work." So they they were like, "Let's just shoot a day or two, and then we're going to get that shit developed, and we're going to sh- rush it to the." To the to Fox. To Fox. And to show them that this isn't going to work. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's like, it's the the suit's weird. Like, obviously, like we said, the legs are weird. You know, it, the the arms are long, so uh, apparently Van Damme's hands aren't even within the hands. They're like, you know, they come down into the forearm, and then he's, like, manipulating <laughs> cables. Like, the cables and stuff to bend the fingers, and his head is in the middle of the neck so he's got like of the a- thing, so he... He doesn't have very good... He can't see well through it, and he can't breathe well through it. And he's in the freaking Mexican jungle. And, and he's it's, <laughs> in the summer. I'm running around on hit, like, you know, without flat terrain. And every and I feel bad that they kind of... You always hear Van Damme as being kind of 
talked about as being a, like a complainer and difficult. Yeah, they bring that up that he he was uh, he was complaining about one that he wasn't going to be seen. All of a sudden, he realized two that it was this. None of this was explained to him. Three that he's you know it's so uncomfortable on these uh, you know uh, in this environment with this suit on in the jungle. And then he's starting to pass out a couple times. He says he he passed out at least twice from dehydration. And I love how all the movies we just we, we cover this is like a regular thing. <laughs> You know, like that, you know, it's hot or whatever, and people are just dropping like flies. And yeah, it's like, yeah. that's normal. Like, well, I'll just give him some water and hydrate him. He'll be fine. You know, like, a- yeah, it's uh, so I feel bad that he gets kind of pinned as this, you know, problem when, you know, who wouldn't be disappointed and pissed and pissed about this? And then, because he also, and then have to perform under in like these really, I mean, the, the actors that aren't in these suits. Talk about we just talked about how difficult of a shoot it was. Yeah. Now imagine if you had to do all that wearing this a latex <laughs> red latex suit, <laughs> this giant suit, whether it be you know the red suit or or the the actual alien suit. And they hired Van Damme specifically because they thought since he was a master of I forget which martial arts he's he got. Knows. He's got a couple of martial arts and a ball and ballet. Yeah, he's a kickbox or whatever. He they thought they were going to uh, weave in some of those ninja-like moves so that the alien would have a unique kind of a... Uh, it's like like Peter Weller with the Robocop. Yeah. They were going to have it be like a snake, the first design. So with this, that that was the the idea of hiring Van Damme, that he'd be able to incorporate his martial arts skills to have this thing look alien or foreign or slick. And if you watch the few shots that you get to see of it... Yeah, he not, just jumps down. Yeah, but he's not so bad. Like He does make a pretty good like hurdle... Over something in one of the shots as he's running and when he drags Hawkins, Hawkins, like yeah. through the jungle, like it doesn't, you know, it's the red suit, but like it does seem like menacing. Of course, it's got like this funny head. Yeah. And he's got some sort of thing. He like shoots it almost looked like a spear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so then Van Damme also realizes quickly that he suddenly wasn't going to, how are you going to try to like exhibit any of these martial art moves or whatever? In a, in a cumbersome costume in the jungle like this, and you're not going to be seen the entire freaking movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only shots that you still, that they kept in of him as the creature was that scene when Hawkins is killed. Yeah. Where you so see, they may have reshot it, but I don't know why they would. No, I think it's, it's the camouflage. Yeah, I think the cloak shot of Hawkins getting dragged when the jungle comes alive, she says, yeah, yeah. is when you know they still have that shot in. So he, and then that's, that's, who knows what the real story is, but people say, he says he, he quit. People say he was fired. There's like four or five different reasons that uh, they fired him because he passed out too much. They fired him because he was complaining too much. They fired him because the suit wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. He quit because he was pissed off. He quit because they didn't, they sold him a wrong bag of goods. Or that he, they wanted him to do things that he thought were going to be too dangerous. Like they wanted him to make a jump, apparently, according to him, where he told them, like, I can't make that jump. Like, I'll break my legs. Yeah, in the suit as well. You know, doing that jump. So he refused to do it. So they had a stuntman do it. And the stuntman broke his leg doing, like, the, See? doing the jump. Yeah, so it wasn't... So he says that he says that he basically left, one, because he was unhappy, but two, because he feared for his own safety. They're asking him to do things that he would hurt himself doing. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, controversy as to what actually happened there. But I feel bad that he, won. he one, gets a bad rap, and the two... Uh, that I feel like the suit gets a bad rap when they were just doing what they were asked to do. Yeah, we're just following orders. Yeah, like this is what you asked for. And if you look at the designs that they were shown, 
Like it looks like that. Yeah, that's 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 the And the funny thing is so they send it to Fox and Fox agrees. One they send the footage they, they shot. They send the footage the sh- footage to Fox. One the the movie goes on hiatus for a bunch of months. Yeah. One because they run out of money. Well, they'd been shooting all the stuff they needed without with the regular actors because they had the, this company um, working on the monster, and then the monster was supposed to arrive on a set date. And when it did, they were like, "Oh shit!" They shot two days, and then, like you're saying, they go on hiatus because they're kind of out of money. This doesn't look good. There's other issues where Schwarzenegger has to get back because he's marrying Maria Shriver at the time, so he has to zing back. And you know, he makes it Friday morning, has a rehearsal Friday night, and gets married on a Saturday, and he's back to set on a Sunday. So, so they end up having this hiatus, which ends up being you know the best thing for the movie. Uh, like I said, it was a small budget, and but they ran out of money pretty quickly, so they didn't even really have the money to finish the movie anyway. So I think part of it was they were going to send this footage to Fox and say, like, look, this doesn't work. You need to give us more time and more money to build a new. And I think they had enough of it shot already, the, all the other Yeah, they said they, they sent them, like, two-thirds of the movie. Yeah, that, that, that it wasn't... They showed them the bad footage, and they showed them, like, two-thirds of the movie that they had shot and said, like, this is, how, this is what we got that's great, this doesn't work. We need more time and more money. So, like, based on the two-thirds that they did shoot that they thought were good, Fox said, okay, like, go ahead. The producers ended up securing more money to hire Stan Winston. Which was, I guess, Schwarzenegger's idea because he worked with Winston on Terminator. And Stan Winston's asked to design to make the, make the new Predator. Now, there's the story that Winston told, and I have, I'm going to take umbrage with the story a little bit. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I find happens a lot where we take people's words for it for it and just take that as like you know gospel or whatever of like this is how it was that like the thing didn't do well because et came out i don't believe that okay (laughs) i think that could have been a contributing factor but i'm not going to blame like the horrendous failure at the box office that the thing, which is in my opinion, one of the greatest movies ever made had just because some other movie came out two weeks before. I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like it might've been a factor, but that's not why the thing didn't do well. So uh, Stan Winston takes this job to make the predator. And he tells a story that he was flying to Japan, sitting next to Jim Cameron, you know, director of Terminator and aliens on a plane. And he's, you know, Cameron's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I got hired to do this. I have to do this alien creature makeup. And Jim Cameron says, you know, I always wanted to see something with mandibles. Yeah, a, 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 a creature. Which is like those the crazy, like weird jaw, that split, split jaw thing that uh, the Predator has. But if you look at the original design that was rejected, that has a split mandible jaw. <laughs> Really? That's in the act that's in the first design. Yeah. So uh very well I'm not gonna call the late great Stan Winston a liar, but that very well could have been the motivation for him to do it. But that was actually a part of the original design too. So there's just little stories. Maybe it was something that like that was there and then when Cameron said it like, Oh, we can work use this or you, you know, know, just the shape of the head and everything was different. But if you look at the bottom jaw of that original thing, it is like a split weird mandible. Yeah type jaw so i'm just saying there's stories that we kind of just take uh you have to do your research and look into (laughs) but you know we just we just assume that that's the way it is but if very but there's two sides of every story at least two so i'm just gonna say that uh but stan winston ends up designing 
like I said earlier, one of my favorite makeups of all time. Yeah. Probably my favorite creature makeup. I think it looks... It's so unique, but yet so familiar. You know, like, I think that's why, for me, it works. Well, it has it's a like weird... The flesh has, like, a very, like, fishy... You know, the design of the flesh. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like it's made up of things that are familiar, but they're put in a way that make it all totally well, unique. For me, it looks a lot like, to a certain extent, like Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, like that kind of kind of a look. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and then you see that again in what Monster Squad in the, in the mid '80s there, yeah. but the. Uh, it also has you know it has dreads. In the, in the, another story is when Dan Winston was trying to think this up that in a producer's office that he saw a painting of a Rastafarian warrior and that kind of gave him the idea of like oh you know maybe I can incorporate dreads in there you know and then how it you know like you're saying the netting or the fishnet kind of outfit you know it's very yeah it's it's kind of got like a jungle warrior tribal warrior kind of feel to it yeah mixed in with other elements that we know it's not so much out there that it looks like like a geiker or alien no no you know, no it's it's, but it's, it's very like, down to earth like the big forehead and just like the flesh itself of the monster you know there's so many creature effects that look like foam or fake yeah, yeah. look like rubber or yeah. foam latex or something and they look great and we accept it you know, as being it as viewers and it works. But when I look at the Predator, like that thing, it looks like flesh. Like, yeah. It looks like a weird fishy, <laughs> you know, like the bottom of like a stingray or something. Yeah. <laughs> like it looks like an organic substance. Yeah, it looks like it has veins and all that. Like, yeah. Yeah. The skin. And it's amazing to think that that whole finished and done suit weighs 200 pounds. Yeah. That's insane. Like, and the know, mandible jaw is great and the way it works, like obviously has mechanics in it then they're, they're controlling it and the practical eyes it's really uh it's just it's like everything eyes. about it like comes i mean if anything the hands are cumbersome so when you see the him like oh doing things fixing himself and stuff like you like touching the, the screen yeah or, you know like fixing his injury or getting ready like you say okay like Maybe yeah. it's like a girl with those long nails, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's just not practical. Like yeah. a hunter wouldn't have you Big know, old. like that doesn't seem practical the way his hands are. But other than that, very minor. Yeah. It's not even a complaint, just a minor kind of like pointing something out. I just love the makeup. Yeah. Like it's it's so fucking intense. It's it the whole idea and then it then and then he's seven foot tall. So then the other that's the other thing that they say too, that once Van Dam got down there. You see Van Damme's like, what, 5'5 five, five or 5'4 five, or oh, whatever? Oh, I don't think he's five, that six. short, but he's probably not. He's not more than six feet. He's yeah. probably five something. And I don't, I mean, to me, I've I've met Schwarzenegger a handful of times, and he's not he's not tall. That was my first impression when I met him. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, you see these people on TV, you think they're seven feet tall. And he's not, he's not huge, but, you know, he's, I guess, average height, you know? Yeah. But he's just, he's a, like a rock, mm-hmm. you know? So I guess when you have all these guys down there that look like freaking, you know, uh, the thing from um, Fantastic Four, and then you have Van Damme. They want someone to. So <laughs> yeah. when they hired Kevin Peter Hall, um, you know he's almost like seven, seven two or something. Yeah, and like then that. when you add the the suit on, put him on the suit. That's you know he's a full foot taller than 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 Van Damme was. That actually helps itself. But then the whole mystique and philosophy around the Predator, I love. You know we always know in this movie they make it like a subplot that they surmise that. The predator won't 
fuck with you if you don't have a weapon. Yeah. Which we know pretty well on. In this viewing I watched, uh, I kind of came up with this speculation here. Okay. Where uh, to a certain extent it seems like even though the predators are hunting, that they kind of value life and they want it to be fair. So you know the scene when the, the predator is watching all this go down. So he, the predator must watch them destroy this village. And then he's watching the aftermath with the girl, and he watches Billy turn around, turn around over here, and he sees with the scorpion. He comes out, and then we see that's the first like POV, and you, and you have all it's all crazy, and he's and he's, <laughs> he's looking at stuff like that, and he's looking yeah, around, yeah. and he's looking at all the dead bodies. And then when we first see the hand come in, uh-huh. and you see the hand, and he picks the scorpion up, and he's looking at the scorpion. I wonder, and this is just me being like uh, you know uh, the guy that I am now as I'm getting older. That if he looks at that like that was that they just killed this defenseless thing, you know, oh, because he doesn't, because I had a memory of him like sc- crushing the scorpion in his hand. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't. He just, he picks it up and he looks at it and it's like, wow, they killed this thing. And it's like you see it. Almost like it's, looking it's, at it. And, but you also, I think to my recollection, you kind of see like it's heat signature. Yeah, it's still. cold. Yeah. And it's, and it's like the predator so like dies in his hand. Yeah. And the predator's like kind of pissed, like. You know, they, there was no need for them to kill, no matter how small it was. They killed a living thing. What the fuck? Then the next scene, he goes, he makes a move to go after them when she bolts. Yeah. And Hawkins is running after her, and he's watching. So I wonder if the Predator thinks... She's, that Hawkins is going to kill yeah, her. Yeah, he's going to kill her. Because remember, he's Hawkins like, please, but he's got the gun on her. And he's like, please, whatever. And that's when the Predator comes out and, and takes the weakest one down. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's, if it's not a stretch to think that the Predator in some way was stepping in because... I mean, he obviously was at some point going to maybe start yeah, you know, yeah. killing them all. But he, it, it may be, the, the, the situation is, uh, you it's know. It's an interesting take. Uh, it's a t- it, I get what you're saying. I understand it. And I think it's a very good possibility. But at the same time. We have no evidence of that. So this is <laughs> no, complete, no, it's a, you know, it's a, it's it's a, a theory. Of, it's a point of view that you have. And, and I, I only got it this viewing. Yeah, and I think it's a good one. Uh, you know, I had a note from when we watched it that was like, it's tough because I have a note that's like it's really like the predator's ego that oh that he's not that that he that he, won't. he that he loses yeah because he you know like he could have just killed Schwarzenegger but no he wants to fight Schwarzenegger and like he can take Schwarzenegger and also there's stuff in deleted scenes where he's just fucking with Schwarzenegger. Like, he's shooting around Schwarzenegger yeah. just to, like, kind of fuck with them. Well, and very then, much and then, so. Like, Schwarzenegger goes up to He's like, he's fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you fucking asshole. You fuck with me. But, yeah, so I feel like he has, like... There's very much of an ego there because for the point of even... Even, even I think we learn in Predator 2, we get a little more into the mythology, which is another one I haven't seen, which I was even going to throw down at you. Like, I think we should do... Like a do double feature? Yeah, like we do with G.I. Joe and Transformers. Like, do Predator 2 right next, because I'm the only guy in the world, I don't know what your feelings are, that likes Predator 2. I, I haven't seen it. Everybody, you know, they're like, oh, Predator 2 sucked. I'm like, I liked it. I thought it was suitable. 1997, you had, like, you know, Heat Wave in L.A. Where's the Predator going to go? Heat Wave, right? You know, he's well, fighting... in L.A., that's happening. He's fighting Jamaicans. East Coast, Scott Snake Plissken Snake going Plissken's in. going on there, you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the war and stuff so um but we learned that yeah there is like a code with but, the predators yeah but i feel like it's almost like and a, that yeah he's but he's a little he's cocky a, he's cocky and you that's know? ultimately what does him in is yeah his cockiness. and then at the end he's a sore loser because he fucking blows himself up and, uh, and yeah. one can make <laughs> the <laughs> argument <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you. 
<laughs> you know, there's a couple of like little nitpicky things. But that... people can say there is like, is he blowing himself up one because they they don't want to be found and have the yeah. government find him, or is he blowing himself up like, well, fuck you, <laughs> you, you lose well, too. Yeah, well, I mean, it very well. If you're gonna could be both, it could be both. Okay, it's sort of like I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let myself be your trophy. Yeah, as well as I'm sure I'm like going down it. there. Oh, that's a fucking I'm taking all you motherfuckers <laughs> out. I'm, I'm sure going down there. The big... uh, I think that's a great point. Of, that's a great uh, kind of theory. I, I never thought of it that way. But when you when you talk about it, because like, you 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 know from a from a point of view, because there's there is a theory that I, I did want to bring up that there is. And I don't know if this is conjecture, but I'd heard this years ago that, you know, now we're starting to design spaceships to go into, you know, to, for space flight. And now it's getting to, to private privateering. And there I heard this story that they were thinking of putting leather seats in a spaceship, you know. And then they suddenly stopped and said, no, that's not really the best idea we ever had. Because, you know, if we ever did meet any kind of extraterrestrials. And we start talking to them, and then they're going to see. Well, why do you have the skins of things <laughs> yeah, like you hide? Yeah, uh, you know, as so you know that that might put someone off. So there is something there to think about. You know, uh, sadly, humans don't value. Some humans, the majority of them, don't value life as I personally think people should. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you know, from a foreign person, that you know, he's walking around. Everybody's dead. He just watched this whole huge firefight. He's watching them. They don't. He doesn't know what they're going to do with that woman. Yeah. You know, and who knows if he even cares, but he does know that's another being. And then, sure. you know, and then them killing the scorpion, he's like, you know, they, they have no yeah. sanctity of life. So maybe that even green lights, maybe if he noticed that they were a little more honorable themselves with, maybe he wouldn't in such a way. You know what I mean? But then he does. He, I mean, he killed Hopper. Yeah, but who knows what the context of him killing Hopper yeah, was yeah. either. But, it, you know, he does do it strategically where he kills the, the weakest one, Hawkins. Mm -hmm. And then the next person he kills, aside from Schwarzenegger, who's the leader, who he might want to keep because it's the leader, he kills the biggest guy there. He kills Jesse the body, who's probably the biggest one next to Schwarzenegger, as well as the one who has the minigun, which can probably do the most damage to mm -hmm. Predator if it's if it's lined old, up. Old Painless. Yeah, Old Painless, as they the, the fucking... And I think they said Jesse the body is the first person to ever physically use a minigun because no one ever thought. Usually, yeah, the, up like handheld. Yeah. That without you, a putting on a stand or something. Yeah, you end up seeing it, the M134 minigun, you end up seeing, you know, they're usually on Huey's... In, Schwarzenegger goes on to use it in Terminator 2, but that was the first time they ever had the idea of, you know, having it on a body and uh, having, like, a, a shoulder holster for it. And, like, you know, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, so he he does have a strategy about how he starts taking them out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I had some, like, kind of, like, nitpicky things that I... That, that are, I'm not criticizing the movie for, but things that I kind of noticed this time around. Some are questions. Some are just like they're, kind, they're all trap questions. Kind of funny things. Where like one, I guess the trophies for him, the predator, are the skulls and also the skins, because he doesn't take Hopper's skull, but he skins them. Yeah, I don't know why he's skinning them though. I wonder if he's, he's skinny. Like, well, so if we get into the, he's taking the hide, I guess we like, get into the little like the one wood, like a hunter wood. We're getting into like the nuts and bolts of it. The novelization goes into uh, a lot of shit that they left out of the movie, and they they talk about some of this. Where um, you know we always talk about the novelizations are always based off of an earlier version of the script, yeah. so that could be a reason why they end up sometimes being significantly different from the yeah. finished 
uh, movie product. And the one thing they talk about in the novelization, one, the Predator itself is different. He's like a shapeshifter. Uh, he can turn into anything he kind of wants, even like animal-wise, uh-huh. except a human. And that's the reason why the Predator is baffled by humans and he wants to study them. He can even, at one point, they say he can turn into a breeze and blow away. He can vanish that that way. Um, so he, and then he has kind of like a, he's a humanoid creature with a scaly skin. He has three fingers and his blood is translucent, but it also is like an orange kind of, he bleeds red, which I think was the original idea they were going to do with that Van Damme predator. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they also say that the reason why the predators are killing is not that he's, they're taking trophies. They're killing humans to study them, much as we would kill, we kill he, you know, so he's taking the organs and he's disemboweling uh-huh. them and the heads and the brains to study and try to learn from us. But they're also just taking the skulls as a, a kind of trophy. So he's not hunting them for sport in the book. He's hunting them more to learn yeah. about the species and, and everything about it. So that's kind of why they explain away why the thing is hunting us. Uh-huh. And then on, on a side note, this one is taking skulls just as a trophy, uh-huh. you know which is in the novelization. There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the novelization that's, that's that's quite different, which is kind of interesting. Like Bill Duke's character isn't black, he's white. So the two of them have kind of like a passive racism against Carl Weathers' uh, character when they I get see. on the ground, which you see a little of. Yeah. You know, I do love, I think it is brilliant that they have Bill Duke be black in the movie. But you do see like, the, you could see like, remember when they're in the helicopter with Long Tall Sal and he spits on Carl Weathers' shoe mm-hmm. or he says something else to him like when they're on the ground and then when Bill Withers threatens him, like, you, you ghost in this motherfucker. Yeah, I don't care who you are back in the world. Yeah. I'm going to bleed you out real slow, like, and leave you here. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, so, it's more like a, it's more played up as a prejudice of being like. He's, he's an pencil, outsider. He's a pencil pusher. Yeah, he's a pencil pusher. You know, yeah, he's kind of like. He, Pusher's doing it, pencils. Yeah. What's wrong, Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> so you're right. So I don't know. You're right. Is he is he taking this? Because in Predator Two, we learn he's just collecting the skulls. And at the end, when we get in spoiler, when we get into the alien ship in Predator Two, uh, Danny Glover, because he knows how to work the spaceship, hits mm-hmm. a button, a wall opens, and he has skulls of all the places people he's been, and he has like an alien skull up there, yeah, yeah. human skull, but there's no skins. So yep. maybe he's just you know taking stuff to hide. He's gonna get a yeah. new leather jacket when he goes back home. Why, yeah, like I don't know why he didn't take <laughs> you know, Hopper's skull. Uh, other funny, th- like funny things that I noticed, um, you know, when they blow up, they they attack that camp. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, no, no, they're like the hostages are dead, and I'm like, of course they are, because you probably just killed them. You killed everybody. <laughs> Just blew up this entire. Yeah, they saw one. Uh, Sven Oil, oh, oh, he kills one that Schwarzenegger sees. Yeah. Then they just and then they're like, "Where's the other hostages?" And he's like, "Oh, he's, he's most of the bad major." Yeah, I know. They were they were just Jesse like, the body got him with the minigun. He he's got, in two pieces. They, they probably killed the hostages themselves by accident, and because uh, they just went in fucking guns blazing, didn't even worry about who they were going to kill. And the other thing I thought was kind of funny this time. Like shit. <laughs> yeah, it was just. Uh, innocent bystanders. Uh, what, what do they call it when... Uh, collateral damage? <laughs> it's just collateral damage. Fuck it. And when we were here to save them, they ended up being collateral damage. <laughs> well, that's what you wanted. You, you, <laughs> we the best. We kill everybody. Uh, the other thing I thought was funny was like, why us? And it's all this thing of like, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. It doesn't seem like you need the best to just walk up to this camp and blow the fuck out. Well, I wonder if it's because <laughs> they, they already lost Hopper's team. So then it's like... I know, but it's just like this idea of... 
like we needed the best. It's like it doesn't look like it, it took. It wasn't it didn't look very hard to do what they did. Oh, because they, they, within those, like a half an hour, those, they find the game. those contras <laughs> were kind of very. Um, yeah, they were. They didn't hold up very much of a of a struggle. They were able yeah. to just. It was like it, they found the camp instantly. It wasn't a matter of trying to. They, they needed experts to find it. They just walked up to it. They landed. Hour later, they're there. And then Schwarzenegger just like lifts up their water motor source, which is just a just an old truck, an going. old truck with like a brick on. The, and he lets that go as a distraction. And then they just blow the fuck out of it. Seems like anybody could have done yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. You could have, you could have just sent Chuck Norris in by himself to do that. Yeah, yeah, Chuck Norris, Rambo, anybody. You didn't need a whole team to go in and yeah. do that. So I just thought that was funny. So this I wonder if that like is the, uh, this is the elite. But even okay, like even Hopper's team. I wonder if it's pro- in the context of the movie that they thought. Hopper was obviously his team's killed by the predator. Yeah, and they think it's the uh, gorillas, but it's actually you know they they, yeah, they yeah. mistake, and that's why maybe I don't know if they're like this was this was easy, <laughs> you know, like this why was this that so was hard? Nothing. Let's go home. You know, I do like the um, the, you know, Schwarzenegger makes it clear at the beginning when when they're all talking, uh, Armstrong, Schwarzenegger, and, and Weathers that like we're not we're not assassins, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a rescue. But then you know when 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 they this, when they start finding things out, you know, like uh, Poncho's, like that, the cop that looks reconnaissance. It doesn't yeah, look yeah. like it was a diplomat was on board. And then when Carl Weathers is like gushing over the, the stuff they found and they kill the Russians, that they, you know, I like that there was a double cross there. My men were in that chopper, you know, so you put us all in the meat grinder. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. You dropped us in the meat grinder. Yeah. You, 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 so uh, I like the little double cross there because, you know, you look, you know, in the 80s, you know, CIA government's always bad. Yeah. yeah. Always, they're always double crossing everybody. So, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a great little plot device, which is this whole thing of like, you think it's this one movie. Yeah. You know, it's all those little things that you don't quite understand because you think that all that shit's going to be important later. And they don't even really tell you why, like, what's going on at that camp that the Russians are there. I mean, he does say, like, that they so there was something big was going to happen here. And then yeah, I yeah. think doesn't Carl Weathers say, like, we had to stop them because they would have gone up. Because, you know, yeah. in the 80s, people forget we had a lot of... That's the reason why these guys, the, the brothers Thomas, wrote this movie was that in the 80s, we were doing a lot of stuff in Central America. We had, like, El Salvador going on. You know, we had Noriega in, like, 1990. We had a lot of stuff going on in, in the, a lot of uprisings and America was getting involved in stuff. Yeah. Um, Plus, so, you had this big fear of communism still. Yeah, and so Russia I think... And, yeah, and then the Russians were going down there and doing, like, with these uh, Banana Republic dictatorships, propping them up to help them out. Cuba in the early... 60s uh, with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So I think it was that that's what they were worried about that like Russia was going to cross a border into like Managua or Nicaragua and they were going to do something. Yeah, I was, you know, and they were going to like, you know, do something, Guatemala. You got to go to Wawa. Yeah, go to Wawa. (laughs) So they they couldn't let that happen, you know. So it's kind of vague on like why they're destroying this. Yeah, but I think that's kind of that's part of the brilliance of Like you say, it's a MacGuffin. We don't really need to. Yeah, it's like. It's all this stuff that we think is going to be important. Yeah. So it's like it's keeping our attention and it's we're playing into the idea of that it's this one movie. And then all of a sudden, like, none of that fucking matters. Yeah. It's all just to get this team into a A situation, you know, into a situation, which, by the way, I was going to say, on top of all the people that we are are recurring from the Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, like we said, 
you know, this is they've everybody's been on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. This kind of concept we did Hard Target, which was also like this idea of like the da- most dangerous game, hunting humans. Yeah. So this is like our second hunting humans movie. As yeah, well. you know, and I, and I love that subplot. You know, and we talked about doing Surviving the Game. Uh, that movie, there is a couple other movies that are like this. There is a sub-sub-genre of the hunting human genre. Yeah, I guess yeah. you don't always need, this is an example, where you don't always need humans hunting humans for the most dangerous game. Uh, you can have aliens hunting humans, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a great example of it here, you know? Uh, and that's that's the distinction, like they said, they made in the novelization, that he's not necessarily hunting them, but he's, he's, yeah. it's, he's curious, but he's taking joy in I'd it. I'd like it better... The movie, yeah, that he's that he's that hunting them. That, sport, that it's sport, but it's also just like vague. You know, yeah. there's enough implication that he's just there. Like this is like a hunting reserve. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, another thing with the novelization too is that they, um, as soon as Hawkins is killed, uh, everybody immediately is convinced that they're they're being hunted by an alien. I guess maybe because of what's what's used. You know, the weapon really used. Um, Dutch and his team, they find Hawkins' body in the trees. There's, there's a lot of big differences in the book that uh, actually sounds pretty interesting. You know, they talk about Billy. I love the subplot in the movie with Billy that Billy is a Native American. He's got, he's, of course, that means he's got to be the, uh, the tracker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But he has this sixth sense. Yeah. You know, and I think in this viewing, I was fucking really getting off on that sixth sense that it's so awesome that he's, he's, he knows. Something's yeah. going on. He can't explain it. They in the novelization they talk about that uh, the Mayan the the woman in her little uh, monologue when she starts talking about you know they used to call him Embrazos you, yeah, yeah. you know the, the, the blind you know he and feeds off it grows very hot it grows hot <laughs> and it comes sometimes we find them sometimes much worse you know but she talks about how the history like the villagers they have a history of this thing hunting and. I guess, you know, even though Billy's supposed to be a Native American, which I would um, mean that he's from the Americas, that they make it, uh, his ancestors were Mayans and stuff, and he's tapping into this, yeah. his sixth sense. He doesn't, he doesn't, he knows he has a sixth sense, but evidently in the novelization, once he gets down there, and after the initial killing of the, the uh, gorillas uh, at the camp, when he starts feeling the presence of the predator out there, he starts getting these psychic feelings. And he's starting to tap into his ancestors, almost like elephants, trace yeah, memory. Yeah. He's starting to, that's why he's playing with the thing around his neck. He's starting to develop this other sense he didn't know he had, but it's almost like the memories yeah. his ancestors had of this uh, predator, yeah. this hunter. You know, so but I love that that he that him just you know certain something's out there. Well, I also you know. love that he his character is. There's just a lot of backstory that's not told, but you don't need to be, yeah. But relevant, but like apparent, yeah. You know, like this relationship and this idea of I don't know something's got Billy spooked. It's like the idea of like they don't know they're not afraid until they see that Billy is afraid. Yeah, you know, like, and that's when they start. When Billy's out. afraid, then they know like shit's oh, shit's going like, down. <laughs> yeah. You know, like Billy, you ain't afraid of no man. Uh, Someone out there ain't no man. Well, and then he then, then he has to throw in the line. We're all gonna die. <laughs> We're all gonna die. And that's a great scene too when he's walking and then he stops. Yeah, yeah. And then Schwarzenegger, and then that's another thing. Like you, you know, we always hear about when Saving Private Ryan, how they had people trained. They brought the crew down early, and they had a guy who used to do this stuff for real, go in and do these kind of missions, train the guys for like a week, 
you know, uh, in silent movements in the jungle, and they're using authentic hand signals you'd use in, in these kind of situations. So I love that they're using all these different hand gestures. Mm-hmm. So that, that scene when Billy's out there and Schwarzenegger immediately, yeah, and he puts his, arm, his fist up and everyone stops, and then he opens his fist up and then everyone sp- scatters, you know, and then... And then Sorcerer just walks out to him. He's like, what's really, what's, what's the fuck? <laughs> you know? And I think, you know, people, again, always, and we brought this up in the Terminator podcast, people always slag off Sorcerer's acting abilities. Another great instance here, you can maybe knock him for the moment when he sees uh, Sven Ol kill the, you know, his, and he turns around, he's upset, and then a second later, he's like, oh, we're going to fuck this shit up. We kill <laughs> you know, like maybe he, he, yeah. he doesn't wait enough of a beat. Yeah, so, you yeah, know, because yeah. he's upset. But aside, I, I think he's great in this movie. Like, he's I think just, so too. His reactions, what's going on, it's completely believable. He's the open-minded one, and he makes that believable, these leaps that he's like, he's using the trees. Like, oh, you know, it, it is a leap to, for him to get there. But we, because Schwarzenegger is so convincing in the role, yeah. you know, he's understanding that. What's Why is Billy spooked? Billy, what the fuck's going on? He's not, he brings an element of, he kind of grounds the, uh, when you get into the fantastic plot. And fat, fantastic, I mean, by the sense of like the alien coming down. Yeah, like fantastic, like supernatural. Yeah, that he kind of grant he the, the his acting and the other guys kind of, you know, they kind of solidify that. You know, yeah, I think the cast is great, and I think uh, you know it's a great like team movie, a la like the Magnificent Seven or the Wild Bunch. And that was Schwarzenegger's idea, I guess, when he read the script. He's like, I want it to be like in a Magnificent Seven kind of a movie down there. Because I, I guess one of the earlier versions of the script was going to be maybe uh, Schwarzenegger alone going after the Predator or, or the Predator going after him. Or there was another version where there were going to be multiple Predators, which meant I don't think any of them would have fucking survived. Yeah. You know, but uh, Schwarzenegger was one of the people saying, no, we should have it be a a team, have it be an elite team and have yeah. it be more like a, a magnificent seven kind of, at least for the first, uh, sure. you know, actor act and a half yeah. until shit starts well, like going down. Like you said, I mean, they do a great job of like distinguishing all of them with like look and personality. I and mean, clearly they all serve a different function they, on the team. In, so it's totally believable. Yeah. They all have different, guys. they all have different makeup. You know, like they're camouflaged. No one has the same thing. Yeah, you're right. Everybody has a, you know, Hawkins, I guess, is the radio man or something like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, Blaine is the fuck shit up minigun guy, you know. And, and I, you know, everybody has, you know, like you're saying, a, a great job. Yeah, and, they all have a role. And it's great that the, the, they show the... I mean, it's the, the Expendables before the Expendables. Exactly. And they it's, sh- the <laughs> it's the A-team. And, and it's funny because the guy, the stunt coordinator, was working on the A-team at the time. And he was called, uh, maybe 18 was on hiatus, but he was called in to do this movie. So you get a lot of, especially in the in the scene with the gorillas, you know, if anybody knows the A-team, they know that there's always explosions and people jumping <laughs> off, cat, you know, those, yeah, yeah. you know, so you see a lot of that in that explode, in that catapults. scene with, yeah, those catapults of people just flipping over and, you know, shit getting fucked up. But they show, they do a great example of the cohesion in the helicopter scene with uh, Little Richard, Long, Tall, and Sally, yeah, yeah. Of, the, of everybody's, you know, the, the banter between them. And you see the, the um, you know, the, the interplay and how they're, the, uh, the, what do you call that, the character, um, uh, you know, their their uh, relationships and yeah. stuff and how, you know, people are really close. And, you know, and so it really leads up to, you see, like, even though Duke, uh, um, Bill Duke and Jesse the Body are kind of polar opposites, you could see that they're really tight and they talk about that. You know, yeah. member, member. Get my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really, it gets, it gets kind of really, it's, it, and like, this, I guess, goes, or comes around to what you're saying about they, 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 
do a lot of great character depth without really giving you anything, but you make these assumptions which work out brilliantly. Yeah. That they're so close that, like, you learn later on when he has that discussion with the moon, Bill Duke, and he's talking about, like, you know, him and just the body, the entire platoon was killed, and they're the only ones that came out alive, and they had this, you know, cohesion, or Billy with the Native American, and they're yeah, not scared yeah. until Billy's scared, and you could tell uh, Chavez, uh, Pancho's freaking out, you know, he's like, you know, we hit nothing, and then he's like, Billy, man, you know, you could t- you could see yeah, the anxiety, yeah. that like, you know, you're not afraid of anybody, man, what the fuck, <laughs> you know, and then wouldn't Billy to lay down that, and then I love the Billy character, that Billy's a fucking realist, he's like, at the end of it, when you hear Carl Weathers bite it, <gasps> yeah, it's, a, it's such a great, you know, <laughs> and then Bill, Billy just stops. Yeah, yeah. And Billy's like, I'm not running anymore. And so it's like, Billy, come on, let's <laughs> go. Jump, we got to get to the, yeah, let's go. And then Billy's just like, you know, and the music done. He's like, he just throws his gun away. He's taking shit off. He starts cutting himself. And he's like, he's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's ready. And then you hear, and then in the book, uh, it, it, in the script, it was always the idea that you'd never see how Billy got killed, but you'd hear the scream. Yeah. But in the book, they say that the Predator takes a fucking knife. In the book, the Predator uses just this um, kind of like a, uh, a staff, yeah. and he uses like a net kind of a thing, which end up showing up in Predator 2. So I think these were concepts that they didn't really use. They were part of the character design in Predator 1, yeah. but they didn't really utilize them until Predator 2. They went back and they said, oh, we can use this with the staff of Predator 2 and the net thing. But in the book, the Predator uses like this knife staff thing and he slits uh, him laterally from the stomach up to the to the neck. And that's how he kills Billy. You know, but I love the idea. Just it's all these like subtle plot. You know, when 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 uh, Blaine just the body's killed. And oh, it's just like, you know, as you get older, we've always talked about we get a little emo- yeah. more emotional. It's just such an amazing scene that like, you know, he gets taken out. Uh, Bill Duke comes running up. Yeah, yeah. He sees the thing. He, f- he f- it's, to me, it's just such cinema brilliance. He f- sees the thing. And I never knew really what he said. But we put the subtitles on. He says, Sarge. He's calling Schwarzenegger because he's freaking out. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Sergeant. He starts shooting. I think he has an M60. And they talk about when they, the, the, this, the mastered arms in the movie were saying like, an M60, you, they t- typically shot, shoot that in six shot bursts because if you just hold it down, you're going to blow all your, your ammo through it and your barrel is going to heat up. And if your barrel heats up, the barrel's going to fuck up and, you know, you have to have the barrel cool a little bit. Yeah. So he just, in that scene, he's unloading. I never noticed until now, but knowing that knowledge, when you see him run out, if you look at his barrel, his barrel's red. It's amazing. It's cherry yeah, red. Yeah. He drops it and that's when he picks the minigun up. Yeah. And he starts and attacking. He mows down the yeah, and entire chunk. And, and, you know, and you forget now, because we've seen it so many times, that, but when I first saw that, them lay waste that entire fucking jungle. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just, with that minigun, just starts taking trees down, and they just start, and then there's a montage to reload, and they're shooting like that, you yeah, know, and then yeah. they stop. And he's, and then it's still brilliant. He's still going, even though he's out. The thing's still turning around. Then he lets go. I also think it's a great character moment in that instance. I mean, it seems excessive as a kid. Yeah. But uh, that they're just mowing down this entire uh, jungle. But the idea that they all just run up, it to me, it says something about like their trust and relationship. Yes, that they just run up and start shooting. Yeah, too. They, like they don't even need to know what's happening. Yeah, like you know, they see that. Well, they heard Bla- yeah. the Blaine's dead. <laughs> they see. Uh, they hear. I guess they they're able to hear. They, that's the other which we just brought up this the spear kind of a thing. 
they never ended up using it. But I guess when the first, the, I never really understood what happened the first hit Blaine gets to turn him around, Jesse the body. Yeah. And I guess that was supposed to be the spear. Like the, his first hit, something hits him and goes through him. And he's kind of stunned. He turns around. Then the next laser blast gets him through the chest. But I guess that's loud enough because you see Schwarzenegger turns and then Bill Duke turns and runs because I guess Bill Duke realizes yeah. who it is. Yeah, like and when, goes back there. Yeah, when you know, because they're, well, they're, 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 however many, they're spread out, you know. So when he runs up to, 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 to Jesse Body's position and sees that whole what we just said, you know, and then he yells. Right, you said right when they get there, they realize something's happened. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's not, and it's not just him. It's I don't think if if Jesse the body died in combat in any other way, it wouldn't have hit Bill Duke that hard. Yeah. But it was just in such a how it happened, and it you know what I mean. It's like it was so quick. It was like a sniper. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it was so off putting. They don't know what's happening. You know, and then to have that, they they completely destroy the trees. But they're still professional where he sends out, I think, like, maybe Billy and Chavez to go check it out. And he's like, you know, Sergeant, what happened? And he's like, I saw it. And then Carl Weathers is starting to freak out, like, motherfucker, what did you see? You know, and he's like, I, you know, he doesn't know, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he's he's kind of fucking out of it. And then when they come back and Chavez is like, we hit nothing. <laughs> you, know, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's starting to build the tension up. And Schwarzenegger, you know, immediately realizes something's fucking yeah, not yeah. right here. You know, the woman is like, it came out of the tree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's so, not what she said. Yeah, that's what not she what said she said. Make sense. She's like, get it, get it. You know, he's like, you know, more hair, more hair, you know. And I don't know why none of them know Spanish. You know, you would think that they these guys would all yeah, be proficient well, in Chavez, Spanish. Well, Pancho seems to know it a little bit. Yeah. Carl Weather seems to know it. Yeah. And then, um, and then Schwarzenegger realizes, he's like, stop playing the games. You can speak English. Let's go. And I remember when this movie came out, uh, I think it was Arsenio. No, maybe Schwarzenegger was on Arsenio promoting something else. And they were talking about stuff. And they were talking about how good of a movie Predator was. And I remember this uh, back when I saw it live how many years ago. And Schwarzenegger was talking about how good the script was of Predator and how good a movie. But he was like... He's like, in earlier versions of the script, he was funny. He was like, they wanted to de- us to develop some sort of relationship, the Dutch character with the woman. And then Schwarzenegger's like satirizing. He's like, what do you want us to do? Like suddenly stop the plot and jump in the bushes and, you know, start <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. it. You know, it's like, that's, you know, there's no time for that. Yeah. Or in the novelization at the end of the, at the end of the movie, uh, at the end of the novel, when he comes out of the uh, wilderness, he's completely naked by this point. And uh, they're about to shoot him when the woman stops the helicopter. She's like, no, it's him. And then it's there's a line or something to lead you to believe that they're going to end up together, Dutch yeah, and yeah. the woman, in, 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 the, in the novelization. Yeah, well, I mean, there's lines like, uh, we're not assassins, we're a rescue team. There's stuff like that. But you get, like, the morality of Dutch most from her. Like the reason why he didn't kill you is because you didn't have a gun. Yeah. Like his his desire to protect her automatically lets the audience know like what kind of guy he is. Like yeah. It makes you root for him. Like yeah. this is a good guy. Yeah. As well as that part with the when when he you, does bad things, <laughs> you know, he's as justifying a, as a it by job. A. But like ultimately, he has to do bad things at, because his end game, his end goal is to. Do good ultimately. Yeah. It's like the, the if you psychoanalyze the Marlon Brando the horror yeah, monologue yeah. from Apocalypse Now, you know. But it, it yeah, and, and you that that's also realized when it's revealed what 
they're actually there for and he has that big uh, yeah, has yeah. it out with Carl Weathers you know he doesn't like that he's being used essentially just to go you know he's able to justify in his own mind that they're a rescue team because they're rescuing if anybody gets killed they're doing it for the greater good where in this context no they're just coming in to be assassins which he's not into you yeah, know yeah. another thing that I noticed too with the right before the predator starts hunting them all down is you get the scene where they're going through the valley you know like you, you see them go over a ridge yeah. And they're about to enter a valley. And that's interesting. The predator doesn't start f- going after them until they, they get into that valley and they're almost trapped. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of crazy. I mean, and, you know, we haven't really talked that much, but uh, Peter Michael Hall, Peter, uh, uh, what's his name? Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony, yeah, Anthony Michael <laughs> Hall in this role is phenomenal. Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin Peter Hall. He's great in this. You know, we talked about him and Harry and the Hendersons podcast about how hard this must have been for him. Yeah. You know, and they said, I guess in this suit, he, you, you can't see. No, when he's in this, when he has the mask, has mask on, on yeah, he couldn't see. see. And the mask evidently... Like they, the helmet he mask. Yeah. They said they had another version of it, which was a lot cooler, which I guess shows up at the end of Predator 2, they said, in the other Predator vs. Alien movies. But the, they didn't like, because it looked too much like the reveal of his face. So they wanted to dumb it down a little bit to just be look like a regular helmet. So when you take them, it, it's more of a yeah, reveal what he looks like underneath. Yeah, you know. And they also talk about his. I think it's in the novelization. His the predators feel the vision, where they had to use. I guess what do they use? Video heat signatures to get the proper the film it because they couldn't just use infrared film because it wasn't developing right. So they had to use like. Uh, Video infrared. Well, infrared film actually—it's just—it's very odd looking. I mean, it's just—it's looks normal. It's just—it looks like the colors are certain things are colored differently. But I think they just like they couldn't use just like total body heat, you know, like total uh, thermal, you know, visual or whatever it's called, because then it's just like everything looks crazy. So it's like a combination of shooting the backgrounds. And then just having like the heat signatures of the bodies and stuff. They yeah. they actually had to invent like what it was going to look. Yeah, like. Yeah, they had. They it's used, not just that like thermal in- imaging. They like, use some sort of video. They use some sort of apparatus on it. But they um, talk about the predator does see heat signature, but he's also able to like in again Predator Two. You see that they have he has other settings. He, yeah. You know he has different. He can see this or that. In this movie, you have a little of that where he's able to. He can tell if you're if 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 someone's holding a gun, or he's able to tell where the the trip wires are. So he is able to see things beyond yeah, yeah. just heat signature, you know. Uh, and I think also there's a Mythbusters, Mythbusters episode where they debunked the 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 uh, the clay thing when he gets the mud on him because I guess once you put mud on yourself, very quickly the mud is going to heat up because of your body temperature. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't really disguise. If anybody has to run from a predator. <laughs> You shouldn't, you well, know. I mean, it doesn't do like earth heat signatures, but it happens to work for predator vision. Yeah. So that, that's a way to explain <laughs> it away. And they said they had to, um, this, this was a really demanding shoot for, I guess, in particular, we talked about Van Damme for a minute, but for Schwarzenegger and for Peter, Mike, Peter, uh, Kevin, Kevin Peter Hall, because Kevin Peter Hall is in a suit that weighs 200 pounds. He's in the jungle. It's hot. He can't see. So he they'd have to choreograph the fight scenes or whatever action with him without the helmet on. He'd have to memorize where everything is and then put the helmet on and kind of like pantomime everything. Yeah. And a couple times he in a fight, he actually caught Schwarzenegger, like punched him in the face or slapped him because of the distance. And then for Schwarzenegger, you know, I guess at night in the jungle, it's freezing. So a lot of these guys were, you know, the, the extreme temperature changes. They were all 
huddled around like heat, this big heat warmers. Yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger's in the water for a lot of the time, and it's co- really cold water. He had mud on him for the third of the movie, and the mud was making him freeze. So he said he was shivering the entire time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Uh, he also said like the water was like kind of like gross. And yeah, it's leeches and shit. Leeches in it. It's, it's fucking jungle water, you know? Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not made to it's swim like they, through. <laughs> yeah, it's like they didn't shoot that stuff on the back lot. Yeah, know? so it was, a, it was a grueling shoot for for them for those kind of reasons. And, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger ended up losing 25 pounds. They said his was by choice because I think realistically he was so big that he wanted to make himself look realistic that he could be a special forces guy. Yeah. You know, you, you don't get guys that big to, to you know, to be able to, to, to be able to move around that much. So, um, I also like too. I didn't really know this until recently, but I guess in the late '80s, Schwarzenegger was developing Sergeant Rock, that comic book, mm-hmm. into a movie that never ended up getting made. And there's a lot of there's I guess there's a lot of lists of like the 20 Schwarzenegger movies that never got made, and that was one of them. And that was gonna he was almost they almost got into like uh, maybe pre production for it, and I don't know why it folded for whatever reason in the late '80s. Because again, I saw him on a show. Recently, uh, a period show, and he was talking about my next project, Sergeant Rock, the comic book. So at the end of the movie, when you see Hawkins, when they show everybody, they do that great, like, yeah, guess yeah. who it was? He's reading Sergeant Rock. It's because Schwarzenegger had all the comics on set because he was doing uh, research for the Sergeant Rock role. Hmm. And that's why the Sergeant Rock comic book was on set. But I think it fits Hawkins' sure, character. Yeah. And they said as well that when Hawkins wasn't, uh, Shane Black, when he wasn't, uh, shooting on set, he was writing the last Boy Scout script, which is kind of interesting. And on on his way, I haven't seen the last Boy Scout in twenty years, but I remember really liking it. But on the way down to uh, Mexico, he sat next to the guy they ended up using that trained all these guys and all the military stuff. Mm-hmm. So evidently, the entire flight down, Shane back was Shane Black was picking that guy's brain about like stories and you know nuances to you know for for scripts. So I wonder yeah. if I, I don't remember. Last Boy Scout. I wonder if any of that shows up in Last Boy Scout or Lethal Weapon. You know those kind of. And of course, Shane Black is directing the new Predator movie. Yeah, and with co-written by Decker, right? Fred Decker, I think. Probably, yeah. I yeah, think I it think has you're a, right. Yeah. It has a Decker connection in there too. Um, I, I, I got. I love the MTV shirt. MTV was huge in the in the eighties, and it's so cool that Jesse the Body's wearing the MTV shirt. Yeah, it's so funny. All these we've been talking about these lines, like you know, he's stuck in there uh, worse than an Alabama tick. You know, you're bleeding. I remember that was a big line. I ain't got time to bleed. You got time to duck, you know. Every scene in this movie has like, I mean, I think now probably the biggest thing is the get to the chopper line that's been so, (laughs) you know. But when when we were little, I remember the biggest line from this movie being, you know, know, I ain't got time to bleed, you know, that that whole line. But everything in this movie is, you know, all there's so, you know. And then, you know, going to the character breakdown, like at the end of the movie, I think it's one of the greatest scenes in cinema history for me is when uh, everything goes to shit and Bill Duke goes running after the Predator. And you have that scene of him on the on the slope with yeah, the yeah. great music and he's taking shit off and he's kind of like, kind of lost it. And yeah, he's singing yeah. Long Tall Sally. And I think it's just so yeah, fucking so cool. Fun. Yeah, it's just yeah, so, so you know, and he's not, and what's his face is like, you know, Billy or whatever the fuck his name is. He's Mac. like, Mac. Yeah, he's like, because Mac's not listening to him. In a couple minutes, Billy ain't going to be listening to him. They're all kind of freaking out. And I love that yeah. Carl Weathers, and that's another great thing. I wonder as African-Americans, do the, is, is it a little harder for the Predator to see them? Because if, if not, then, you know, when like, uh, <laughs> What's his face? Uh, Carl Weathers goes after Mac. I'll yeah. go get him. You know, I, I, I owe it to whatever. And then he's like, you know, turn around over here. 
here. And then he catches him and he's like, look over there. Past them trees. I see. Yeah. So does the predator know the entire time they're there? Like the predator's like fucking with them? You know, or does yeah. the predator not know? You know, that's even crazier. And then they, they develop this, I'm going to go around fucking <laughs> We both got scores to settle, you know? And then yeah, he, yeah. he ends up laying waste to both of them. Yeah. So, you know, it's even more fucked up that the Predator's just letting him fuck with him, you know? And then he, you know, he's, he goes under like some sort of rock bridge and just completely just fucks Bill Duke up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then he, you know... He, he basically, he does, it does seem like he just kind of waits for Mac to, to come and then just kills him. Yeah, like he, he almost realizes there's an anger there. I wonder if like, if it's also like he's reading their voices and he realizes that... You know, when you're in a fight or whatever, not only do you learn with, like, say, martial arts <clears throat> to how to get yourself out physically, but you're also supposed to learn mentally how to, like, you know, yeah. you're, you're not supposed to, you know, once you lose your temper or whatever, you lose the fight. You have to stay calm. So I wonder if that's the thing with the Predator, too. He realizes when, when someone's going to get the heat of anger, he can take them out. I do think it's, of this viewing, I did think it was a little weird or a little funny that <sighs> Mac, Bill Duke, sees like the laser yeah. sight on his arm. He doesn't know what to make of it. He's like, what the fuck? Let and me then, go look and at my then, head. And then puts his head in. <laughs> Let me go look and see what this could be. Yeah. You I'm going to put my head in the in the way of this. Because it's, it's, it's completely not indigenous to the, to the, uh, to the, you would not see a laser sighting <laughs> in the jungle. So it's like, you know, yeah. you, I would, I would think he would think that it, it is something I will predator say related. A, a little side note. Um, nowadays, uh, when an editor both is an editor and a producer, they call it a predator. Already. Oh, already. Oh, oh really? <laughs> already. Already. <laughs> so uh, basically, I mean, in most shows that I work on, that's what I am. So my part, my, so my, my business card says like predator, Dave Blake predator. And then I put like, I put like the laser sight. Oh, you did the three on my trying? business card. That's fucking sweet. That's right. I wonder if anybody gets that. I'm sure they do. Uh, yeah, and then I never knew this to this viewing that they called the minigun old painless. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool because we kept the subtitles on for some stuff because you know the line so much. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I love that idea. They're setting it up like, uh, I forget who says it. Maybe Bill Duke or no, maybe it's uh, Blaine, uh, Jesse the Body, but like, they're like you know, they're talking about how, how bad the jungle is right yeah, before yeah. she started going. He was like, you know, if you lose it in here, you're in a whole world of hurt. That might be Jesse the Body. Like, I love yeah. the, the, there's so, they're so many setups in this movie well, that Jesse in real life was a Navy SEAL yeah. and a demolitions expert. Yeah, on the West Coast. I met him a couple times when he in was Vietnam. the uh, post-governor when he was doing all those, you know, conspiracy theory things. Yeah, yeah. And he's a, he's a nut. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that in any kind of like his, of his political or conspiracy theory views, but just when you meet him. Yeah, well, he's definitely like he's, a larger than life character. He's right? kind of gone off the reservation because I also, we alluded to and well, the, he lives in Mexico, like off the grid, yeah. or, like solar power. You know, he's, yeah. he's completely like completely off the grid. And he was he was in like a legal battle recently with Chris Kyle, the uh, person who got killed from the American Sniper character, because he that Chris Kyle said he punched Jesse the Body out in a bar, and yeah. Jesse the Body sued him for 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 like. Uh, what do you call that when you bespurt someone's character? Yeah, and then he died, and he still fought, and so then he won the court case. So the, the, the widow had to pay just the body out. And I talked to him cause I wanted to ask him because when we talked about the, um, no holds barred cast that we alluded to, my father used to hang out with some of these wrestlers back mm-hmm. in the seventies. And my dad had a couple stories that he was with Jesse, the body back then. So I asked him and he's kind of just, he's loopy. He's out there. Yeah, I yeah. got a picture with him somewhere. 
uh, and he's he's huge. He's like really tall, you know. But he's got like bad knees. Yeah, like all yeah. these guys. Well, that's now. why he became a the announcer. It's like because he just couldn't really wrestle anymore. Yeah, he was falling. He was falling to the wayside. And like all these guys now, these bodybuilders, when they get into like later in life, they just their bodies fall apart, you know. And uh, he's just a really wacky guy. And it's funny because I have a picture with him, and I've always wanted to get a picture with Arnold. And my Arnold picture story is I'm never able to get a picture because I'm always fucking taking everybody else's pictures. Yeah, you know, yeah. Schwarzenegger. A lot of times you don't, you you know this, of course. That like it's it's awkward to ask for an autograph or picture. Yeah. You know, so a couple times when I met him when he came in to do an interview, I couldn't ask. And then the other time, the last time I saw him in here a couple years ago, everybody's like, "Hey, take my picture, take my." So I took four pictures for people and then he left I'm like where's my fucking picture man mm. so my story is that I don't get a picture with Arnold because I'm taking everybody else's freaking picture with Arnold so it's pretty funny one day yeah. one day I'll you know, talk to him about stuff uh, so yeah and then it's just it's Bill Duke has gone on to be a um, he's a director because he directed that movie Hoodlum uh-huh. Remember that movie with Tim Roth and yeah, yeah. Uh, about Bumpy Johnson, Lawrence Fishburne? He's done that. He's done other. I think he's done some other pretty big directing stuff. And he's become a large, physically large guy. He gained yeah, some yeah. weight, so he's a. But I love Bill Duke. Yeah. Uh, I think he's great in Commando. Great in this movie. Uh, the cast is amazing. We should give a shout, out, more of a shout out to John McTiernan because uh, he directed this and he directed his next movie was Die yeah. Hard. But then the next year as well. And then he did the Hunt for the Rod October. Yeah. And then he directed Medicine Man with Sean Connery. Yeah, I found the key to the 20th century. I lost it. You ever lose anything? Your car keys. Uh, and then he directed a movie that you and I are the only two that uh, that I know of, that champion, he, Last Action. Hero. We are the only two people in existence uh, that champion that movie, just like I'm the only person who champions Predator 2. People fucking hate Last Action Hero. Yeah, yeah. There's people I know who are diehard Schwarzenegger fans. They are obsessed. They idolize them and they think Last Action Hero is a shit. His first movie was a movie called Nomads that I know the front of the box, but yeah. I've actually never seen it. And that's how he got Pierce this Brosnan. That's how he got this job because they it was like they made it for like less than a million dollars and he and apparently and I I would like to see it cuz I like I said I've always the front of the box is always like you know blazing in my memory from being at the especially store. the old days, yeah. Uh, but apparently, like he did a really great job of creating like a like a unsettling, suspenseful atmosphere throughout this whole movie. And they were like, "Well, this guy managed to do this with like no money." That's also, I think, another uh, tip your hat at Schwarzenegger because th- there's a story where they talk about. I forget who it was, the first person who met Schwarzenegger. They, they met him in a hot tub, and it's like the classic way to meet him. But Schwarzenegger was all business. Maybe it was the writers. And he was asking about his character and all this kind of stuff, and he, want, he really wanted to get the bare bones of you know, who, who his thing was. And uh, the reason I bring this up is because later on, when they were talking about whoever, whoever idea it was to try to get John McTiernan, they wanted to convince Schwarzenegger, so they, they got up uh, a copy of the Nomads. Nomad, and they screened it for Schwarzenegger, and they were saying, look, he did it with no money. Look at the suspense he's able to keep through this movie. And Schwarzenegger's like, yeah, you're right. You know, he's, That's what we need. As soon as we get the boots on the ground, we need to have suspense created. And it's funny, this movie... Um, you know, we, since my parents are sleeping, we were trying to watch it like with the TV low. <laughs> so this is a, an example of a movie where you can't, you know, you have it loud to hear the dialogue, and then you have like the the huge horns of yeah, of, of yeah. the Silvestri score or the the whip they use for the sound effect to announce the Predator POV. Yeah, so yeah. you have to turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. You know, <laughs> so it is an idea for you from an editing point of view that like using the sound design to to yeah, to be. Yeah. 
unsettling and jar the the viewer, you know, because a lot of it is that dun 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 dun. You know, it's like yeah, those yeah. big music cues, the over the top. Because if you were to put a different score in this, it may not. You know, this kind of score now, I think, is uh, par and parcel these kind of movies. But for me, I don't know. I feel like this was kind of new, having one of these huge brass and you know the the rhythms and even like the the the, the kind of what do they call those the timbre drum you know yeah. all that was kind of new having this over the top kind of a you know idea well, yeah, to score I mean, it. that's you know one of the things that a score can, one of the many things a score can do is bring like production value and gravitas to a project and that definitely is a case with a movie like this which is like you have this kind of in the beginning, this run-of-the-mill action movie that turns into something else, but to like lend like credibility and 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 size to it, Sylvester's score is just really intense. And it's interesting that this and RoboCop come out in the same year because, in my head, like those two scores are both kind of like equally iconic. Yeah, for different reasons. Yeah, for different reasons, but like very. And if we've talked about anything, we're obsessed with 1987. This year. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's so much coming out there. They say that they wanted to get originally Jerry Goldsmith, but maybe he wasn't available at the time, yeah. so they well, went I'm with sure Sylvester. Gold, I mean, Goldsmith was a you know he was a he was, was a, a brilliant uh, composer. I'm sure he would have done a, a, a magnificent job with it. But I, I do love Sylvester's score for this. Um, to get in the weeds for a second, they say that the uh, super effects supervisor uh, who did like the, the the Predator's camouflage effects. He is the son of a PhD um, astronomer who is the one who invented the, the close encounters terminology. So his father was the guy. Like the third kind. Yeah, first the kind, first kind. kind. He, he, he introduced that uh, scale of how do you get first encounter, second close encounter, third kind, fourth kind. You know, so that's kind of uh, funny. Uh, but they end up not calling this movie Hunter, it, the shooting tile Hunter. But they end up calling it a predator. Well, by that point, there was a TV show called. I, that's what there's. That's another. They cite that the predator with with the new costume from Stan Winston coming. That was one reason to turn it into a, the name, and then as well as yeah, they had the Hunter TV show, which was doing pretty well on on TV at the time. That people yeah. forget. So if you put a Hunter into the theater, people may. You which know, I'm not positive, but may may have been a uh, Stephen J. Cannell show. Yeah, maybe. Who Stephen J. Cannell. Oh, as the creator of Twenty One Jump Street, yeah, <laughs> which is your remember you contra, you con, contra, contractually obligated, obligated to, uh, to you know mention it in every episode. Uh, yeah, there's just so many great lines in this. I mean, another great line in this that you see in all these movies. Hey, you better take a look at this. You know, you get that in every every <laughs> every movie. Sergeant, you better come take a look at this. So um, I feel like we're winding down, but there's I feel like there's so much more to just to to, to talk with Kevin. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall has a cameo at the end. He's one of the chopper pilots, mm -hmm. which they I never said knew. He was such a trooper in the suit. He was such like a good sport, and that they decided McTiernan was like, we have to get his face in the movie because he was such a good, he was such a good guy, and you know, it was so easy to work with. Yeah, um, and then you know, they they when they were pitching the script around Hollywood, they were they were just the log line really was it's it's Alien in the Jungle, like the 1979 Alien, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's just another. So when this movie comes out. It's kind of panned by critics, and I find that fucking hilarious because it just goes to show, in my own personal opinion, why like critics are kind of useless. Mm -hmm. Where like all these critics, you have like these well-renowned publications, like um, the New York Times, the um, 
You have Cinema Fantastique, Variety, Los Angeles Times, the Monthly Film Bulletin. All these people are giving this movie lackluster or shitty reviews. Yeah. It's just, it's it's stupid. It's this, you know, there's even a feminist Susan uh, Faludi that, that's panning the movie. And, you know, it ends up in, I didn't think, I, this movie did great when it came out. It was a hit. So it's not like it needed to find its audience over years. But over the years, because of the fan acclaim, yeah. the critics have kind of reversed themselves. And you know, now it's on these lists of best movie of all time, best action movie, best Schwarzenegger movie, best line movie. Yeah, best villain probably. Yeah, so it's it's funny that you see these people that come out and they're, you know, that that, you know, and people always say like a critic is someone who can't do it in real life practically. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, and it's just, you know, I don't know what they wanted because they say the plot's too thin. Or whatever, or it's it's a it's a testosterone because there's no women. You know, we gotta have more women in it. It's like, you know, Jesus. So it's like you gotta placate to everybody. But what do you want? I mean, we're talking about this movie now that we still say we think it has staying power. We think it's one of Schwarzenegger's best movies. Uh, we think it's executed brilliantly. We think the script is great. We think the villain is amazing. We think the 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 complete reveal the the left turn it takes into alien horror movie territory is yeah, great. Yeah. So I don't know why at the time when you have other movies of like, take out Robocop, but you have like the other Schwarzenegger canon at the time or all the other action movies of the day, that sure. this wouldn't be he- being like, well, this is doing something different and unique. Well, you know, I think it might just be that, and here's the thing, nobody really thinks of it this way, but it is at, at its core, it's a horror movie. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, sure, there's elements of sci-fi because he's an alien. There's obviously action movie element. But at the end of the day, this is, it's a horror movie. And it's really like a slasher movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like this idea of just like the teens out in the forest getting picked off one by one by a killer. That's a slasher movie plot. And that's essentially what this is. Yeah. It's just they've kind of elevated it to like a new situation, kind of made it its own thing. Uh, And horror movies are notoriously panned. Yeah, you know, uh, they just are not given the respect. It's 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 turning, I think, because of the internet and because of uh, the support of the fans of horror movies. I think horror movies are starting to get more respect, but um, critically, they're just never really praised until after the fact yeah years later when the fans are like okay i guess we should look at this yeah like john carpenter's movie was the thing was great (laughs) you know halloween was great you know nobody really horror movies notoriously are just not appreciated uh critically at its time and that's essentially what this movie is It's 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 a horror movie yeah uh we talked about peter cullen Mm-hmm. The voice of Optimus Prime, so they he's the voice of the Predator, and he they say he's actually the guy who also came up with the idea behind the noises, because they were trying to ask him for to come up with stuff, and uh, I guess he heard himself doing a voice in the seventies. He was doing the Dilo De Laurentiis King Kong. He evidently voiced that movie in the seventies. Really fucked his voice up. Yeah. So he was worried that doing stuff like this again might hurt it. So he was trying to think of a way to come around and I get his head a rapper's head around how he would voice it. And he said he came up with the idea of when he was little horseshoe crabs. Uh-huh. And if you took a if you take a horseshoe crab and you turn it over upside down, it'll make a sound like a gurgling sound. And that was his idea of, hey, maybe the predator because you know those two sounds the predator makes, like the and then yeah, that other yeah. thing, uh are really unique, you know, and when you hear that, 
automatically you think it's a predator, you know, a predator's trap. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting. And I didn't know until this viewing that it's Peter Cullen. I don't know if he's credited in the movie. I don't that, think he is credited. You know, that he's the voice uh, of the aside predator. Aside from being Optimus Prime, he also, to my recollection, played Monterey Jack on uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Also, yeah. Little, th- little shout out. And he's Eeyore, too, in a couple of the newer the versions. Winnie, the Pooh stuff. Winnie yeah. the Pooh stuff. And he's, he's someplace else, too, that it's... Oh, and for, for people... Who were like fans of 80s movies, you know, uh, 80s TV movies like, say, Columbo or Kojak. He, it's funny seeing him now when you go on the DVD and they have like the little sum up of before the, you know, what you're going to, it completely ruins the episode because it gives it all away. <laughs> yeah. But he's the tonight on Columbo or tonight on Kojak. That's him. It's like, hey, it's Peter Cullen doing that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Anything else worth mentioning, I guess? Um, um, Hawkins, they said that his original idea, they, they wanted him to wear a, a red beret, but he didn't want it because he thought it'd be too hot, but he kind of regrets it now, Shane Black, because he thought his character would stand out a little better. And he, he wanted to wear, he didn't want to wear those big glasses. He wanted to wear something that the actual guys in the field would wear. Yeah, yeah. But they wanted him to look kind of like a nerd, so they gave him those big glasses to wear. Uh, they say, what's his face? Sonny, the uh, Native American, he actually needed a bodyguard to follow him around because he was such a notorious drinker he would get in a fight with anybody yeah yeah. so they needed a bodyguard to follow him around to protect the world from him yeah yeah so that was a thing that they on set that they said that they needed you know in terms of character stuff you're talking about on the helicopter how we learn so much about their relationships like i love that hawkins's thing is that he's like tries to make Oh, Billy laugh. Yeah, Billy laugh. Like those jokes. Like his... <laughs> and those jokes were things I used to tell for years. I used to say jokes like that, you know, like and uh, well, those two jokes, cause, yeah, you know, because yeah. I never got the big as a house joke because you know when you're seven or eight, you don't understand like why is that? you know because I used to think like it, it means it's physically large, like her vagina's big, you know. <laughs> I never got what that actually meant, you know, until later you kind of understand that what, yeah, the, yeah. the the idea. Well, this is like it's a very kind of quirky character thing where it's like it sets up this relationship between them like and that's actually very funny you know you're right that he's that on the side he's just trying to say something to get him to to crack yeah and yeah. he does get him at that one point to, to say something you know and then that's where they record the the laugh you know i love bill duke he, evidently he improv the razor mm-hmm. his shtick is just having a right he's always shaving <laughs> you know uh that's really cool uh so yeah and it's just it's such a um such a groundbreaking movie because it is it is a rare example of a film and it's probably because of the location the locale of it being the jungle that nothing really dates the movie i mean aside from like the firearms and I don't yeah, know what they're I don't wearing think most people will no i don't think exactly i think people will still you know people they probably still use a lot of that today but you know i i guess for like people who are really into the um Army Navy store and like war surplus that they say like the physical stuff they're wearing the camouflage gear is like pre-Vietnam, like early 60s, and I guess... Yeah. Well, it's like they're not actually in the Army. No, there's like special You know, special they're forces. like their own team. Yeah. So it's like they're not necessarily getting it from the yeah, military. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they've brought their own kind of um, thingy, and like, yeah, they're, they're hand-picking what they want to... I mean, the minigun, for example, yeah, yeah. that's certainly a choice that Blaine wants to be able to have old... <laughs> Painless to be able to go wipe out a, an area, yeah, yeah. And, and the very and, and each one has their own. Because you got to them, they are kind of like the A team. Yeah, like they're like this militia, like gun, like a group for a soldier hire. for fortune. So like they wouldn't have like the most up to date military 
like attire. Yeah, they'd have whatever they're going, whatever they had going, or getting it from their army army surplus store. Yeah, or like old fatigues that they had from when they were in the in the military. I didn't know that. Um, this is the third movie that Schwarzenegger wears this uh, Seiko watch in it. It's a watch called the H five five eight dash five oh nine Divers Watch, and I guess he must wear that maybe in Commando and. Uh-huh. I don't know what other movie he prior to this he'd wear that in. Maybe Raw Deal. Yeah. But it's become nicknamed the Arnold, and it's sought after by collectors, and it goes for a lot of money. There's such a markup now than what it originally sold for because Schwarzenegger wears it. It's like, you know, Eastwood wearing the gargoyle sunglasses sure, and sure. the Dirty Harrys, or... There's a watch. Schwarzenegger wearing the gargoyles in the Terminator movies, too. There's a watch... I think the watch that Richard Dreyfus wears in the Jaws is also a sought-after diver's watch. Oh, really? Because of Jaws. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting that the uh, you know that kind of a thing. Um, their full names, which they never say in the movie, is uh, Major Alan Dutch Schaefer, Staff Sergeant George Dillon, mm-hmm. Sergeant Mac Elliott, Sergeant Blaine Cooper, Sergeant Billy Sole, S O L E. Uh, Corporal Pancho Ramirez and Corporal Rick Hawkins. Jorge Pancho Ramirez. Jorge <laughs> Pancho Ramirez. So, um, Rick Hawkins. Yeah, Rick Hawkins. Now, there was a time where uh, long ago I actually wrote the first act to a Predator movie. When was this? When I was living in Port Chester. Now, it's funny that we, we were going to have this be our romantic episode of us know talking about but we never really got into any of the uh, the bullshit of us you know we didn't tell any stories or yeah well, well we do that i enough. mean we have a we have our show anniversary coming up in yeah. a couple of weeks so, or a couple episodes yeah conflicting dates <laughs> but i was gonna have rambo so post and post, dutch oh i remember team this. up <laughs> yes because i remember your your uh your end uh, McCready was going to get them out of there. Yeah. The helicopter pilot. And they, they remember what they, what they, what, weren't they going to say something to him? Yeah, I don't know. He had a tagline. They were like, you know, you can't believe what we just went through. And then it, the helicopter pilot would turn to be Kurt Russell from the thing. McCready go, I can believe, you know, because of what he went through with the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had this whole setup where Rambo is in like. Antarctica or like the North Pole or something. Like he, yeah. Rambo's got a he's he so wants to get away from get away that he's yeah. like become an Eskimo. Yeah. And he you know, the whole open is like him on a dog sled and you don't know who it is. And then he gets to like his fucking With that music cabin or whatever. And then like a chopper pulls up and fucking Krautman. Very gets, commando. And then Krautman <laughs> gets out. And wow, like, there's some shit going down, John. <laughs> I'm not going back. <laughs> That sounds like if Billy played the role of Rambo, yeah. uh, that would have been a great idea. But then they stole your they stole your idea and they made Predator sequels. Those bastards. Yeah. Well, I, I actually I, I haven't seen the I hadn't seen Predators since the movie theater, but I remember liking it enough. You're the only other again another movie that you and I seem to be the only people. Everyone I talk about didn't like Predators, and I really when I saw previews for Predators, I thought it looked stupid. I was like, this is ridiculous. What the hell's going on? Why are they... I forgot what my hang-up was. But when I saw the movie, I loved the idea that they were being abducted yeah. and put on like a terraform planet for pure sport. And as well as you learn that every one of them are like, you know, they're not nice people. Much like the Predator lore is the Predator yeah, hunts, yeah. you know, people who kind of deserve to die. And then I loved how they retooled the Salvestri music and they used that. 
And then there was a lot of homages to the original movie where even the Adrian Brody character is saying some of the lines that Schwarzenegger says, and then as well as at the end where they put him in the mud, mud too. You know, and I think they also, there's a lot of predators in that movie, and some people had uh, problems with the predator or how they looked, but there is a classic predator from this 87 movie look that's in the new movie. Mm-hmm. So I really thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I liked it too, you know. Especially compared to after, I said already that I'm the only fan of Predator 2. After Predator 2, I really didn't care for any of those other Predator vs. Aliens yeah, or Predator, Predator alien, yeah. the other Predator uh, Soul Saw. And there's some other, I forget the name of the movie, where they're, they're like in Oregon. You know, and then they open. I don't even know if I know that one. There's there's Predator vs. Aliens. Yeah. And then there's a Predator vs. Alien, and it has a name. You know, oh, like it, okay. It's yeah, called yeah. like Covenant or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it is. sure. And then it's. It, I thought it was horrendous because they're in Oregon, in the woods, like in, yeah, like yeah. you know, in suburbia. Well, and that then, was my point with the first Predator vs. Alien. But they it's go. Like, they are like in like snow country. Yeah, it's like predators don't go in the snow. Yeah, they only come when it's hot. And this year, <laughs> this is, yeah, you're you're going against the lore. But in the that other predator movie, it's like they open up manhole covers and they go into like uh, the sewers, and suddenly they're like in Ninja Turtle sewers. Yeah, I'm like yeah. they're in Oregon. They're not gonna have sewers like this. Yeah, it was just yeah. so silly. But well, that's are... why I like Predator too, because they go, they justify, they keep the. There's a heat yeah. wave in L.A. and then there's you know gang yeah. fights. And so apparently, the... Robert Rodriguez was hired post Predator Two. To write another Predator movie. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'm not going to have to direct it. I'm just writing it. So he's just like, I'm just going to throw everything in there. And it was just like this big thing. And I think he was the one that came up with the fact that they make this planet or they bring the people to their planet or whatever. To And then it just kind of got put away for a while. And then he went and did his thing. And then it came it was resurrected and I think he produces he produced the predator, he predators predators yeah that's, and it might be a lot and like... it might be based on like his original script even though I don't think his original script was the shooting script but it might have been like the first they gave draft I think I of... remember that 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 uh, that idea when it came out that it was a Robert Rodriguez connected vehicle yeah, yeah. Um, then you said that there's deleted scenes in the movie they, they have like him making the trophy, Hawkins' body, him him making the trophies. There's more of the chameleon, him like changing colors. Or no, the girl picks up a chameleon in the yeah, jungle yeah, and explains. Looks a little symbolic. She's like, this is what I fucking mean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking asshole. What the fuck? There's I the... want five pancakes <laughs> and five sausages. What the, it was a chopper, baby. It's a chopper, baby. Whose motorcycle is this? Uh, Whose motorcycle is this? Uh, can I have the blueberry pancakes? <laughs> uh... They, they like you said. There's the scene where where Schwarzenegger's trying to get away, and the predator's fucking with him with yeah, the yeah. with the parrot gun, like moving all around. Uh, there's the there's a longer sequence of Arnold preparing for battle against the predator, getting shit ready. A little more montage. Yeah, and then there's the end where the Dutch finds the predator's ship, which doesn't kind of jive with the movie because if you watch that opening shot, you see that it kind of just. Drops it, just yeah. like shoots him off. So and it's then like a little pot. It's almost like, you know, a Huey dropping somebody into the yeah, yeah. landing zone. So, and then at the end, and that's a lot of that, again, shows up in Predator 2. You have a lot of the, at the end, you know, they blow the fuck out of the place. He's covered in dust. Uh, you know, there's a lot of elements that show up. And Predator 2 would have been great from what I, the lore that I know is the Gary Busey character was supposed to be Schwarzenegger. But Schwarzenegger didn't want to come back. So it was going to be that the... They're, de- they're having an issue with predators in L.A., you know, with the cops. And then that special team comes in. The crazy Buses heads the team. But that's yeah, supposed yeah. to be Schwarzenegger. Like, you know, I've dealt with him before in the jungle. I know what I'm doing. Um, they ended up coming out, which I remember collecting between Predator and Predator 2, Dark Horse, the comic book. They came out with a 
uh, a series called Concrete Jungle, Predator Concrete Jungle. And that idea, it was a direct sequel from the 87 movie. And it was uh, Dutch's brother, Detective Schaefer, he's searching for his missing sibling and he encounters the predators himself. I see. And, that would, and then, you know, we all know now that there's a huge lore where they, they made Predator vs. Alien, and then they ended up getting a movie for that. Yeah. And like, you know, there's, there's also, I believe, to my recollection, there's a Batman vs. Predator. Yes, there is series. a Batman vs. Predator. And as well as there's the Batman Ain't Dead End. That the like one of the oh, first that, that, that the fan first fan film, film that sh- that spoiler alert has like Predator and Alien show up in there. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. But there has been a sizable um, uh, exploration of its myth- mythology in the in comic book form. You know that ended up uh, having a whole life of its own. That ended up begetting an actual live action Predator vs Alien movie. And then if you think about it, if you uh, that universe, the Predator would be like the first original prequel to the whole alien world because then if the alien and predator live in the same world together yeah you know in the future you have the and i guess that's minus the uh epilogue at the beginning of prometheus because that's supposed to be that guy seeding the earth world or whatever you know Mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting how they wrap it all together uh it definitely does sound like a a novelization that we both should own (laughs) yeah i don't know i think this is so dramatically different I'm not sure I have this one. Um, I, it's one of those ones that I feel like there's a few that like I've often looked up to buy and then for some reason not purchased. But uh, it sounds like I do need to add this one to my collection if I don't already own it. The uh, in the in the novelization as well, the the predator does not have a self destruct device in the book. He uh, the uh, the vessel his his ship explodes. The spear he the predator the Schwarzenegger kills the predator by by spearing it through the head. And then it hits something in the vessel, and then the vessel is going to explode. And that's how he has to run out. Vessels. You know? But at the end of it, he gets, like, during that whole where he's escaping through the waterfall and all that, he loses all his clothes. So the, in the, in the, he becomes fucking Tarzan because in the, <laughs> yeah. the last act in the novelization, he's completely buck axe naked running yeah, around. You know? around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! You know, it's, it's, it's hitting things. Ow! Uh, I, I, again, I feel like there was other things to talk about, but it's just I can't get over how good this movie is, and you know, as a and as itself, as a Schwarzenegger movie, as a genre movie, as a a, a mishmash of horror and you know, as a sleepover, you know, movie. it is kind of I guess overlooked. You, like you said, on the face of it, it is actually a horror movie, but. I don't know. I guess if, if if there was any kind of a critique, you know, maybe they could have played that up more. But I don't know what you then could have done to make it look to make it be a little more horrific. I mean, it's bloody. Oh, no, I think it's perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't. Know. The soundtrack. You know. But I don't you, think changing it. At this, you know, like I feel like everything's in its place. You yeah. Know, like I feel like it just kind of it works in so many levels. The way it is. It's and the photographer, I mean so vistas and the, the way they taking advantage of of these beautiful like landscape shots. I mean it really it makes this movie huge. It's funny that McTiernan wanted to shoot it widescreen like proper 135 yeah. and the studio didn't want him to for whatever reason. So he was kind of mad and or they 235. 235, I'm sorry. And they say to t- that McTiernan kind of got them back by uh, having the 20th Century Fox logo at the beginning be 235. 
So that's why it always looks weird because yeah, it's yeah. stretched. It's the, it's the two three five widescreen logo t- they attached onto this, <laughs> you know. Um, and then there was an I- a- issue with I guess they say one of the B cameras had the wrong film loaded. So that's why a couple of the cutaways are really grainy because it was the wrong film. Which I don't understand why. I would think they'd have an exposure problem more than it being yeah. the wrong film. See, I thought it was, it was underexposed, more... and they had to you know bring it up, and that's why you had a lot of the grain. Maybe I often I also thought that maybe they just punched in optical printing, like when he's falling. Yeah, it's really like, grainy, it gets, and I thought maybe it was just like they couldn't get close enough. So they yeah they zoomed in, so they used the optical printer to kind of re film it and but closer yeah and that's most that was my assumption with that stuff is that they just optically printed stuff to move the framing a little bit but, yeah but could be some weird frame uh film stock thing i don't know yeah and then you know it's it's just uh i mean i like we say everything holds up in the movie even like the uh like that whole point when when uh, Carl Weathers uh, loses his arm. Yeah. I think that looks great. It looks like they just sliced his arm <laughs> off in that. You know, you can't really see where his other arm's yeah, hidden. Yeah. And uh, I love Carl Weathers. I wish he had a bigger career, Carl Weathers, because he's yeah. so good. He, well, he so had a professional good. football playing career, and then that's, yeah. and then he segued. But, but like, if, yeah, you know, of course he was actor. Apollo Creed, and he was Action Jackson, and then he was in uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I was always surprised that he didn't have an even bigger career because I always thought he was so, he's so good in everything. It's kind of like, um, you know, Billy D. Williams. He had a big career in the seventies, like yeah. with um, uh, what's the lady, uh, the Billy Holiday film. Yeah, the one with Diana Ross. Yeah, I forget the name of that. That they call her the Lady, lady. Sings the Blues. I yeah, think. and it, what's her name? Lady Day. What the, I forget what they call the. Her, Billy Holiday had a nickname, something. Yeah. And uh, you know, and he was big there, but then he kind of was petering out after Star Wars. And I guess he I mean he had a career, but like you think about like how he got kind of a raw deal with not getting uh, Two Face, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. you know, but you know at that point he was doing Colt Forty Five commercials and stuff. But yeah, Carl Ruthers, I mean he did that Action Jackson, but it's yeah I guess he could have, you know I don't know you know he could have had a bigger didn't he have like a TV show he was on now as like the father or grandfather? He might have actually even had a like a cop TV show. I don't remember. But I feel like recently he was on a show where it's like um, maybe it's that black blackish or something. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that Anthony. Well, maybe there's Fishburne. an Anthony Anderson show. I, I know Lawrence Fishburne's on that show, but he might have been like another. I thought he was like the patriarch of the family or something, like a relative or something well, like that. I think you that's know. Lawrence Fishburne, but he might have been like the wife's father. father yeah, you know, because he's know. aged I well. I don't watch that show. You know, so a lot of these guys, you know. You hear that, like, you know, they always want to, um, they're big in, in their heyday, like bodybuilders, but then they just fall apart because you just can't maintain yeah, yeah. your joints, your knees, and all that kind of thing. But weather seems like he's, uh, you know, he's kind of kept up and still looks good now, as opposed to, like, say, just the body looks like he's falling apart. He's got no hair on top. He's got long well, hair. Well, I also back. think the movie holds up well because of the team. Yeah. You know, the 80s action movies are were so revolved around, like, one character. That it really dates them now. Yeah. When you watch like the Rambo, the Delta Force, you know, the missing in action, everything's about like this one character. But I feel like this one kind of holds up because the other thing that sets it apart is that it is like this ensemble. Yeah. And, and, and of, of names, like where Delta Force is a team, 
yeah, yeah. Aside from Lee Marvin and Chuck Norris, I, everybody else, for, for my recollection, is kind of like expendable characters. Yeah, they end yeah, up getting yeah. killed, or you know, they're just there to get shot or killed. But here, it's like you really feel that it's it's this team of guys, and like we said, the, the fact that they're all individuals, uh, and it also the strength of that cast and that team, and the and the ensemble, I think really helps. Uh, anchor this film in reality you needed it yeah. in a way because it has that element of the fantastic of of the fact that it's an alien but it's like we it grounds us with relationships and background like we said that isn't uh ever expository dialogue but it it's, it gives us a sense of that there's history between these characters which grounds this movie in some kind of reality so that when we're asked to kind of suspend disbelief with the introduction of this alien that we like we're willing to maybe do it because we everything else has been so believable to us yeah. on kind of a even if it's a subconscious level and then of course the end credit sequence of them all just smiling <laughs> like yeah you don't see that anymore those kind of like yeah, you know, which I like think is a little coming up for like a bow probably a little nod to that <clears throat> that classic Hollywood action team Kind of a movie. Kind of movie. You know, like this classic Hollywood seven, you know, Magnificent Seven, or even Kelly's Heroes, or The Dirt Dozen. You know, this idea, I think it was, it's a very classic style uh, to do that. Of the, You know, it's de- definitely was not a contemporary thing at that time to be yeah. like, there's like television yeah, I, credits. <laughs> they turn around and they're like, you know, they're, they're breaking character and they're smiling and they're throwing them So something. it seems kind of old fashioned, which I think is a little bit, maybe a little bit of a nod to like that older type. It almost of, seems like it doesn't fit. Yeah, you know I, mean? I love just, it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like the curtains going up and they're like taking bows, you know, and it's like, oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I forgot the hell what I was going to say there. About the, oh well because yeah it almost reminds me of our inaugural 2017 cast of Escape from New York where you know you have just like say one line like you know you threw you flew the Gulf fire over Leningrad and then yeah. that implies so much so here you only have there's hardly any exposition about who they are yeah, but yeah. you have like that one line where uh, Pancho says the Schwarzenegger like do you remember Afghanistan and he's like I'm trying to forget it and then as soon as he gets out of frame he's a little worried yeah, like, yeah you know yeah. something maybe terrible happened in Afghanistan or yeah the, yeah you well know, it's the, just it's all great you know, stuff yeah. I mean it's it's smart it's smart storytelling yeah it's a buddy movie and it's it, again it's amazing to think this was just a spec script that these two guys wrote and on top of that they were able to get it in the right person's hands for however they were able to do it without a manager or agent yeah. or whatever and get and it not become like uh, a shitty sci-fi movie. It becomes a huge Hollywood blockbuster yeah. starring Schwarzenegger in his prime. Now, I think our viewing of it in college was there was the, just before DVD came out, became the preferred medium. VHS was trying very hard to like, how can we keep on repackaging these movies? Yeah. And so one of us, <clears throat> or maybe both of us, because I think I definitely did have it, Fox had this whole run of the widescreen of reissuing in a clamshell with the gold, yeah, you know, like that gold colored uh, frame around you could take the, the image. You could, you could like take out the thing. The yeah, thing. it had a slip cover. Yeah, and uh, Abyss, Alien, Terminator Two, maybe. Aliens. Oh, these are all Fox. Yeah, that? this was the Fox uh, yeah. one. Uh, but that was there was a lot of that. Maybe even 
trying to think who did Exorcist, but Exorcist was released in a similar way. But yeah, that was probably last time we watched it. Probably one of us or both of us bought that Predator well, been, clamshell widescreen VHS tape. We've been talking it. about, we brought up uh, on our uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit podcast, we brought up our friend that we went to college with, uh, Al, Al. Uncle Al. We used to call him Uncle Al and how we'd give him, he, he was uh, Mexican and he was born and raised outside of Mexico City. So we had given him, we talked about it in the Roger Rabbit Cop podcast, we gave him like a subtitled Looney Tunes yeah, uh, yeah. that we, we'd bought uh, in Spanish or not, it was dubbed, not subtitled. So uh, I remember we had a couple, he in his uh, on-campus apartment when we were like juniors, had a great sound system set up with a great TV and they had, you know, it was 5.1 and he's the kind of guy like at night he'd have parties and he'd blast music and you'd hear it down the street because their subwoofer was like in one of those ones you put in a car. So he had this impressive sound system. So there was a span there where um, we would all get together. And not only that was the guys who lived with him, including him, were real respectful and aficionados of movies. So it was like when we go over and watch a movie there, everybody would be quiet. Yeah, yeah. People would come in and they out. Weren't no one... They weren't film students, but they were appreciative and respectful. Yeah, and they were just like us. They wanted to watch a movie. They'd shut up. No one would talk. It wouldn't and be they were open-minded because not only we would watch stuff like Predator, but I remember we watched... What zombie there? We watched Zombie. I know we watched New York Ripper. Yeah. So like we, we would... introduced them to Fulci. Yeah, and, we, and they were loving it. So we would. So it was a great way for us to hit people that wouldn't normally see stuff to these kind of movies. So I remember... During this film series that you and I used to almost curate, we went over there and we watched Predator and we either had that Fox edition widescreen thing or we even maybe had a DVD. Like I, th- I feel like they had a DVD player there near the end. And I remember that was one of yeah, the epic yeah. things. Where Our we, junior year, I got my DVD player junior year. You know, I got mine going into senior. Which was, I got it like a little bit before. I, for Christmas, I got a DVD player and it was yeah. like... I was like one of the was first people thing. we knew that had a DVD yeah. player. We knew people that had like DVD drives yeah. already in their computers. But not a proper player. But not like an actual player. So I think they might have had one. So we either watched the VHS widescreen edition you just referenced or a DVD. And I remember that was a night. We all got like, you know, cases of beer. We jacked up the sound. And it was like revisiting a classic and yeah. having all these guys there who knew it line for line. It was like, it's a fond memory for me. Uh, in college, watching that uncle over Uncle Al's house, as well as going, like you said, we, we hip them to, to Zombie, New York Ripper. And it's funny seeing these guys who, you know, were, uh, you know, they um, they weren't like us. They weren't in the film program, yeah. you know, uh, and predominantly African-American or Spanish guys, you know. And we'd sit down and we'd all watch this, these, these movies, and they're into it. We're watching Zombie. I remember we pitched to them Zombie about how awesome is a movie where you have, like, you know, a zombie fighting a shark and naked women and a, guy, a girl <laughs> getting a, a, a splinter in the eye within 10 minutes and they're over the moon. And yeah, so it was just, yeah. it was such... Fun times watching these, you know, with the closest thing we could have to a theater at the time was this big screen with this yeah, amazing yeah. surround sound that we would just jack the sound up. So if you're walking down the street, like, oh, Jesus, they're watching fucking Predator up there, you know, because it was so yeah, fucking yeah. loud. So that, that might have been the last time I watched it up until last weekend when I tried to watch it on the Spanish channel for a little bit, you know. But this is, uh, it all comes around because this was a movie along with... Uh, Oh, geez, a, a handful of movies. Yeah, the Professional. The, the Professional, uh, Carlito's Way, Heat. Heat, yeah. Uh, uh, probably some of the Scorsese movies at the time, you know, that that we both bonded on Casino. along. Casino, Goodfellas, along with uh, our music interests. We always joked that, like, you know, not only did Blake and I 
get paired together in in uh, the same room, to having the same major, but we both brought to college. We had you know like Frank Sinatra CDs, yeah, Primus. I mean, and I still say at this time, I, you know, that you're hard up to find two people who are going to bring the Capital Series, <laughs> yeah, the best yeah. of Louis Prima together, as well as we were both into the blues. We were both into classic rock. I mean, you know, I was uh, hugely into The Doors at the time, which we talked about last week in the Lost Boys podcast. You were into Sabbath. So we did in Clapton. So we schooled each other other things. Mm -hmm. But we did certainly have a basis of, you know, uh, jazz and blues and rock that we were into. So this was another example, Predator, of a movie that just, you know, we loved. And Yeah, it was definitely these kinds of things were kind of like the glue that started the friendship. Yeah. They had the common ground for us to then kind yeah. of jump off of and, you know, and kind it, of form a friendship. And all, you know, and so it's, it's, and it's, it's just amazing that 20 years has gone by like it's nothing, uh-huh. you know? And when we do the 40-year the anniversary of our friendship on this podcast <laughs> in 20 years, I wonder what movie we're going to be doing by then. Well, we'll by that time, we'll probably just be redoing podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did this already once, but we're going to well, do this 20 again. years from now, we'll be doing the... We'll be doing the movies that come out now, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll be doing them like, like with implants and live, and you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, in front of audiences and with, you know, I don't know, whatever the technology is out then. You know, maybe we'll be three D. We'll be in your house talking to you, like a uh, little like uh, Princess Leia's, <laughs> you know. You know, shooting at R2-D2, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but this was a, a delightful walk down memory lane for, for me, and I'm sure for you, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, it was uh, great to watch this movie again. And it was... Kind of almost, like, I always in my mind know that I love it, but it was great to watch it again and have it hold up so well and be like, this is still great. Yeah. And that, and that was one of the reasons why we, we picked it, because we were trying to think of what the hell kind of a movie could we do that... One, it's 87. Yeah. Two... It's twenty year arc. We both year. love this movie. We both, we both love this movie when we met. Um, it's both a movie that we enjoyed together because of that that shared love for this movie. And so. it's a it's a great. On top of that, the icing on the cake is that it still holds up. It's not just a movie we both love, but we have, you know we know it has its yeah, problems. It's dated. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's Van Damme's running around in a lizard suit. You know, uh, but you know it all ended up doing well, and it's amazing. So oh, yeah. Great. I really loved watching it. This yeah. is um, the most fun I've had watching one of these old movies from our past. Um, yeah, I love watching them all, but this was exceptionally kind of gratifying. And yeah. that it was, it's just like it held up so great and it's been so long and to see that it's still so good. Yeah, it doesn't, nothing really, there's nothing you can really say bad about it, you know, aside from that fucking trap. <laughs> I still don't not positive how that trap works. Yeah, hey, it doesn't but, matter. It's just like another MacGuffin. Yeah, you know. But you know what? If anybody has any ideas of what the you know, yeah, if you're a I would love to. There, if you guys you know, want to explain to us why you th- how what the what the log counterweight was doing there was it going to pull a net up? Maybe it was a net into the but it still was just a. We would love to a, hear your theories, it's a flawed draw idea, diagrams. You know, it, show us on Facebook or Twitter. At Sat Sleepovers on yeah. Twitter. Send us your favorite lines. I'm here. Kill me. Come on. I'm here. Come kill me. You know, come on. Every, every line in this fucking movie is, 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 is big. Start that hashtag sleepover mischief. Yeah. Yeah. Start off, you know. Tell uh, us your sleepover mischief stories. Yeah. Let us know what's going on. When we've been getting a lot of that from people lately from our listeners. They tell they like to tell us what, you know, their uh, connection to these movies and stuff. I and mean, that's great, too. So, uh, yeah, we're having a good time. And as Blake alluded to... Uh, in Jesus, a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing our 
third year you reunion? This will be our third anniversary, which third means inter- we'll be going into our fourth, fourth year. year. Yeah. We did Punisher, broke out the was box. Was our first episode. Then we did Batman, which was our first anniversary. We did Rocketeer. Rocketeer last year, and then this one we have coming up, which yes. will be... Which we've actually, to, to Little Inside Baseball, we still haven't picked what we yeah, have We've yet. kind of plotted out everything <clears throat> almost until, like, Christmas. Yeah, except... Except for our anniversary episode. Yeah, it's still yeah. not set. And the Halloween ones. We're kind of... Yeah, you know, yeah. We have a lot of shuffling. We have of, some ideas. Yeah. So, uh, and then actually think it, for us, a Little Inside Baseball also helped us out because in years past, it's always been like a run, like, what are we going to do next week? I don't know. What do you want to do? What do we... Or being in the year, we just spent some time, sat down. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And we just planned them all out and bring out the calendar yeah little did we know that every movie we picked was 1987 <laughs> <laughs> until we're doing them and i don't know we may jeez oh, we may hit another 1987 yet but this might be the last of our 1987 um run but for no all promises. we know i yeah. don't think so i think we got plenty of time for, for to throw another one in just for, throw, for effect throw at least one more yeah it. we'll do the untouchables <laughs> but yeah so uh Come listen to us. Check us out. Check our website out. We'll have a lot of extras on the podcast posting. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, Blake, along with your book that you alluded to, you have. You Scored also... to death, but I also now do a 21 Pod Street podcast. Which... 21 Pod Street podcast. Well, town 21 Jump Street podcast called 21 Pod Street. Coincidentally, 21 Jump Street premiered in 1987. Look at that. So Getting two contractually <laughs> obligated things in there. So check out uh, Mike Vanderbilt and I do the world's first podcast dedicated solely to 21 Jump Street called 21 Pod Street. It's at 21 P-O-D-S-T on Twitter. And you uh, you, you, you just put your second episode out. So you're, you're there. Our, our, yes. Our, we just had our second episode. Uh, we're doing every episode. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> That's we'll insane. See how, we'll see how long we can do it. For. That's a, you know, and and then it's funny that uh, not only do you have people, um, you know, saying how much they like it, they're already telling you what they want. Well, I want you to do Renegade. I want you to do Father Dowling mysteries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or, okay. or being like, I can't wait till you do this episode. Yeah. So that's gonna that's real exciting. So I hope you like what you've been hearing. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And as always, later. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun.